Hey, it is Clay. Welcome to another episode. And once again, I am sitting down with somebody that I have a lot of respect for and that I've gotten to know them through uh, the other business that I have that deals with the stock market. So that comes up every now and then. But, you know, during those interviews for the, the podcast that I have over there, the entire time I was thinking, you know, if I ever do another podcast with this whole personal finance, wealth building thing, I, I totally got to get this guy on here. And here we are. I'm sitting down with this guy. Phil is his name. And I don't want to ruin anything, but he's gone through a lot. He's done a lot of, I think probably inefficient would probably be the best way to go about it. You'll notice kind of a, a common theme. And that's something that Phil try to drive home in terms of, hey, here's a learn from me, learn from my experience, learn from what I've gone through about how not to do things or else you're gonna just have a situation like I have. And it's a situation where, um, I'm not gonna call it a bad situation, it's just not as efficient as it could have been. And we go down a lot of rabbit holes, but Phil shares his story. It's a pretty crazy story. He dropped out of high school. He driving all over the country as a, as a pretty much a kid, I mean, Maybe I'm just getting old and crusty, but when I hear 18 now, I think of a, a kid. But he always had a lot of certain attributes that he talks about that carried him through everything. So there was some rough spots and all that. But because of certain mindsets, because of certain personal attributes and characteristics, you know, it just kept him in the game. And that's probably the best way to put it. So let's sit down and... As you saw by the timestamp, it's a long one, and we're, I'm just we're just gonna keep it real and have a good old conversation with Phil. Listen, I want to give back. It's so important for me to give back, and I can't figure out how to do that. And this is why I don't even know if this is gonna help anybody, but it's the only thing I can think of. You're, you know, you've figured out how to give back, and you do these things for us, and so because, uh, you know. I kind of jotted down some stuff, so I don't have a you know complete layout, but I did. I spent some time on it, and I have some notes to try to make it as effective and helpful as possible. Did you listen to uh, the episode with Paul? Of course. What do you think of that? Uh, Paul is awesome. I've actually been emailing back and forth him a little bit. I was ready to quit, sell everything, and move to Michigan and go to work for him. I mean, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I just, it was just so great. And then I was like, oh, great. I got to follow that, you know. <laughs> um, but no, he's awesome. Like I said, I've been emailing him. I did listen to the very end and I got his email address, and which I thought was great, by the way. And, um, and yeah, I, I've we've been emailing back and forth a little bit. Um, it also it's just amazing because it sparked all these new ideas for me. So um, that's really uh, cool. Uh, and I think I don't know this wasn't planned, but I'm quickly learning that I think that the people that take time out of their day to come and just you know shoot the breeze with me, I think they're just good quality people at their core because I'm not paying you to be here. You're not really you're not getting anything for being here. But like I said, you just want to help. You want to give back, Paul is just passionate. And I mean, that's why I gave out his email. So you've taken up on that. So I think if anything, maybe an, a, a side benefit of this, will it'll just let people network together that are all kind of of quality character and kind of just want to get stuff done. And like you said, I it gave, what ideas did it give you? If you're willing uh, to share, I don't want, I don't want you to disclose some sort of million dollar no, business no, operation, yeah, but I on. mean, what, what sort of, <laughs> <laughs> no, come on. Um, all right. So I've always been in love with technology. Uh, and, and as you'll see, I did a lot of CNC work uh, or a good portion of CNC work. So I was familiar with it. I was ready to ask him, Hey, listen, I have 
I have places around me that need parts. I have this big garage. I want to, and and again, you know, like I said, this is all going to come in, uh, you know, a little bit, you know, later on. Uh, um, but I want to open up. I want to make spare parts, you know, with a three D printing machine. Uh, well, there you uh, go. And, and by the way, the interview has started, so you know, just just as an FYI, all this will be public. So I kind of. I backdoored you a little bit, but you know that's the idea here. We're just gonna keep it as real as possible. So the interview is underway, this will be public. But anyways, continue on, just wanna figure, give you that little warning. Yeah, no, no, and, and that's great. So uh, believe me, I'm gonna get to some of those things. Um, so, you know, like I said, uh, I really, uh, um, and I know I, sometimes I feel like I'm pestering you. Hey, you know, Clay, can I help? Can I do, can I, you know? And so when you, when you you know said hey would you like to do this I, like I said uh, I took it serious and I wanna this is my chance to maybe help somebody if I can help one person you know one little way then I'm on the right path and you know like I said but I took that initiative from you you know you just said how I don't need to be here and all those other kinds of things well you don't need to be here you don't need to have made here you could be out making money and doing other things but you're not you're here trying to get people together. And one of the things that you talked about uh, uh, recently and with Paul was about being with the right people. And that has, that when, when I started going through my past and my history, um, it's going to, I blew my mind how amazing that one particular thing is the people you surround yourself with. Yeah, everybody says, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've actually, I have living proof now because, because I wanted to help out. And it's funny, every time I try to help you out or help somebody out, I end up getting so much more out of it. I got, so, I learned so much about myself and about business and about, you know, wealth. So, uh, um, so let's kind of move a little bit forward. Um, you know, like I said, I, 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 well, I, let me, can I ask you, yeah, let me ask uh, you this, what, yeah. where, what kind of, and I'm not asking you to throw anybody under the bus. I'm just asking this out of pure curiosity, but what kind of people are, are you surrounding yourself with right now? And just kind of general, I mean, do you, do you, would you say that you have, cause I, I would say that I have like, I will put my friend group, my kind of out, you know, the people I surround myself, I'll put them up against anybody as far as, hey, if you need a job done, you know, the collective attitudes that I, I'm surrounding myself with, we're just like beast mode, let's go. We may lose, but we're gonna give it our, we'll, we'll be passed out at the finish line. I mean, how would you kind of classify the people that you're surrounding yourself so, with in your everyday life? Although I know you kind of have a different life now given that you're more of just strictly depending on yourself, but in general. So, and, and again, uh, uh, and this is important for, for, for listeners to understand and for people in general to understand. Uh, a few years ago, I gave up on people and I, 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 I said no to everybody and I totally shut people off. And there's only so much you can do by yourself. And then, you know, and then I slowly, I met you. I started getting involved with some of the things that were going on and I says, wow, you know, maybe there are people out there. And so, uh, you know, in, in all honesty, I'm trying to weasel my way into you and your group of friends because I think that they're <laughs> awesome and they can help me. I love it. I love it. You know, and, when, and I feel hey, like I, I can I be attest, one of them. I will attest if Phil emails any more of my friends like did uh, Paul, I, my, I put my full name behind him because he's, uh, he's a hustler. He'll get it done. He'll work hard. And, you know, just from the other business, from the, the, the stock market stuff I do, I can, like I said, fully attest that uh, you are working hard. You are listening. 
I can't stump you anymore in our live webinars. You you fall, you, you know all my tricks, you know the proper ways to answer all questions. So yeah, you are more than welcome in because I know you're, uh, I'm pretty sure, I, I actually let me take that back. I'm about 90% sure you fit the same mind frame that you know, kind of the, my, my group of friends would, but that's kind of the point of this. I'm, I'm super excited to learn more about just you as a person, what you've gone through. I know you've been in real estate. I know you've been into project management. I know you've had to deal with difficult people. Uh, so I, I really don't know where you wanna start all this with. Uh, this is very free flowing. It's okay if, if we don't go in sequential order, but I mean, where kind of who was Phil? Where did all this begin for you where you, I mean, obviously, if you gave up on people, that would imply you worked with people in the first place. But I mean, where do you want to start all this, Phil? Well, okay. And and so uh, based upon that, I said, okay, well, let me try to stay. We could go really, really all over the place. So I tried good, to stay. Good, I, I tried to say, how can I stay a little bit more focused? So first thing I did was the the... I consider it to be not only your mission statement, but a mission statement that we can all use. When on your homepage, Money with Clay, it states right there that to you, wealth is about more than money. It's about living your life in a way that gives you maximum peace of mind. So let's focus on a lifestyle that will lower stress and raise the overall quality of life. And I think that statement right there kind of set in motion how I wanted to talk about, you know, what we did because when I look back at it, that's really, I always focused on a lifestyle. Uh, um, and you'll see how difficult, you know, how difficult it was for me to obtain that, to keep it, then lose it and get it again. So, um, you know, there are many aspects in our life. You know, you have personal, you have health, you have spiritual, family and relationships. I didn't want to, you know, all of those matter in the decisions we make with money. Um, so you can't totally disregard them, but I try, I'm trying to keep it, you know, like I said, more towards financially and wealth because I have a, a thing that I've been living with for a long time. And it's a rhetorical question that says, you know, what's the best time to plant a tree? And the best time to plant a tree was very far in the past. You know, for me, it should have been 25, 30 years ago. Um, don't be upset that I'm not upset that I haven't because there's a second best time to plant a tree. And that's right now. Uh, so my right now has happened already and I'm, I, I have these trees that are planted. But what I kind of learned was that wealthy people had a template. Wealthy people got to talk to each other. And again, like-minded people, they stayed together. They talked and they shared these ideas. Non-wealthy people, which I am one of, uh, um, you know, I stayed around with non-wealthy people and their ideas and their lack of ideas and their lack of growth. So um, again, when I came across you, you had these templates. You had the templates that I was looking for, whether it would be in the trading or whether it would be in the, you know, you didn't say this is the answer, but you gave me something to fill in my own blanks with. And that's, you know, again, why I'm here and why this, you know, whole thing came about. So when I started doing the, uh, the financial portions, I figured the best way for me was to put a pin in my life map where I am right now and just kind of go backwards and, and see what happens. And what I'd like to do, if it's okay with you, is just kind of run through my past a little bit, you know, quick. You can ask some questions because there was lessons learned. There was lessons not learned, uh, causes and effects of different things. But the overall objective for me, and I think what you're, you know, I believe what you're trying to help people is that uh, you, you know, uh, um, 
uh, a rich man, a uh, 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 rich dad, poor dad. Uh, um, well, he has this quadrant thing where on the left is – upper left is the job. The lower left is self-employment. On the upper right is big business and the lower left is – lower right is investment. It was great to see Paul move from job to self and he's, he's stepping over that line to big and, um, and, and, and the investment stuff. And the goal is to get from the left to the right because on the left, you're changing your time for money, which you can't leverage. And on the right, you're leveraging your money for time. So the first thing that I wanted to go back to was when I was a kid. My dad was a school teacher. And in the summer, we had a farm stand. Where where does this take place geographically? Long Island, New York. Okay. All right. Okay. So we had the Hamptons. Where do all the wealthy people go in the summer? They go out to the Hamptons. Well, in order to get to the Hamptons, they had to drive past our farm stand. So – we worked hard and, you know, I could never figure out why, why my dad would give up his summer vacations. And I think when I started looking back, here's the important thing. He never shared with me or my siblings that he was making a plan. So when he had, when we had a vacation house, cause then we would build a house, he bought some property and we would build this house. So I learned about construction. Uh, but this is what his plan was, was to have the farm stand, take the extra cash and do these things. He never explained those things to me. And you want to know what? I never explained those things to my son. So lesson number one, the first thing I realized was that, wow, share this with your kids. If you're going to make a plan to, to, to put your life financially in order, share it with your kids. I that's, can't believe – That's oh. good stuff. As a, as a father of four, the oldest being six, I will uh, – yeah, that's, I, that's good I, stuff. Maybe I didn't get it. Maybe I wouldn't have gotten it. But at least later on, I would have said, well, wait a second. When mom and dad did something, they kind of like figured it out first before they did it. Well, I, that, that whole concept never even connected with me, and it cost me, I believe, in in the, in the future. So, as can we I, start, can I, can yeah, I, this is what spurred. I think that's a massive thing right now. Is we, you, you know, kids don't understand the the power of a plan. And I mean, you just look at the whole college problem right now with the student loan debt crisis. If if parents maybe did what you're suggesting, and what is really beneficial to me, like, oh yeah, that's definitely something. Even if they don't get it, at least like you said they would be learning this whole overall premise of, you know, it's probably good to plan things out, um, not uh, only from a financial perspective, but any perspective. So I really don't know if going and getting to my PhD in, you know, Dutch sailboat creation is going to be a wise move if, you know, to take on $100,000 in debt. But yeah, I but mean, look, look, look at it this Look at it this way. If I kind of knew and I understood that before it was even time for college, I could have started planning and planted some seeds and stuff like that. So it wouldn't cost me. I could have used my own money to go to college. There you go. Exactly. No, so So I'm fully on board your logic. You know, but here it took me, I just figured this out the last couple of days, putting this whole thing together. So (laughs) uh, better late than never. uh, Let me tell you, I want to go, I'm going to apologize to my son when I talk to him. So, and this is the kind of the, I mean, like I said, I, I, my kind of backdoor in a lot of stuff is that's a valuable insight for me. I'm learning from somebody that's – can I ask how old your son is now? 30 
So oh, much wow. older than my much older than my kids. So here I am. I am gaining value from you know an older father that I can use to apply to my kids. So you better believe I'm going to remember. You know what? Just explain the plan to the kids. They may not understand the plan, but at least they understand that there's some sort of structure that's going on into the decision making process. So thank you for that. That's that's good stuff. Well, and even this. So my mom and dad used to go into the office and close the door. And they used to do this stuff. They should have just let us be in the office and let us listen to what they would talk. They should have just included us. And even if I was playing with a matchbox car on the floor while they were doing it, you know, I've heard, I've heard people talk about how as kids, they talked around stocks around the table and that kind of, it's the same thing. They just kind of have to, I think if they just are part of it and hear it and it's not like a separate thing that, oh no, the kids can't know this. Uh, um, so uh, anyway, that was that was my youth, and then um, as I when I was growing up, it was 16 years old to drive and 18 years old to drink. So right before 15, I had some money, but I wanted to get the rest of it, so I bought a car. So at the minute I turned 16, I could drive, um, and that's what I did. So my, the first job I ever had was in a bowling alley, and. The bowling alley was something that was very, very late at night. And this was, looking back, this was the first time I got involved with the wrong people. There were, you know, older guys that were, uh, you know, in these big money leagues and they, you know, pay you in all kinds of different, you know, ways to stall the lanes. They would, you know, uh, um, it was just they were the wrong people. And I, I realized that now what that did is it started to build up stress. It got me down some wrong paths. And the next thing you know, I dropped out of high school. You know, really? and so that was the- How old yeah. were you when you dropped out of high school? Uh, 17. Okay, so right around like you're, I, you're probably a junior-ish, junior, no, senior? I, I, no, I, uh, the end of September of my senior year, I dropped okay. out. Okay. So, because I, I had no classes, you know, they didn't have advanced classes back then, and just school couldn't keep up with me. So I had, I needed health and gym. Those were the only two classes I needed. So I just felt it was useless. I had well, health I could, thought, or school couldn't keep up with you, meaning you just would cruise through everything. I mean, uh, it was never that we, difficult for you. We used we used to have regents exams and regents. You know, that was like our advanced classes. And as a matter of fact, computers were just coming out at the time. And I would never do my math homework because the punishment for not doing your math homework was you got sent over to the uh, uh, computer room. And I spent most of my days making banners. That's what we did in, the, in those days. We made up banners. We wrote code to make up all kinds of banners and pictures and stuff that way. Uh, and then I would take the test and I'd get 100 on it. And the teacher would just be so frustrated with me that, you know, and – I just they just didn't challenge me enough. I I was I was uh, um, I was a tough kid. I was hyperactive. I was all over the place. Uh, but nobody knew how to control it. Not my parents. Not anybody. And and it cost me throughout my life. So I I quit school. I packed up my Nova that I had bought and I drove down to Florida because a friend of mine had driven down there years ago. His parents had moved down there, and uh, I was down in the dirt. I mean, I was sleeping in my car, didn't have food, and that's when an aunt and uncle said, "No, no, 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 you're and and then that was good people, and they got me back on track, and he got me a job at this nursery, and I went from you know digging holes to you know designing you know different things. I, I really moved up pretty quickly. 
And so, okay, uh, and that, let me ask you this: yeah. what, what do you, what would you attribute moving up quickly to? It sounds like you start at the bottom of the totem pole, which is a recurring theme from Paul's interview. You know, you got to start somewhere. So you started digging holes, and then you moved up quickly in your designing thing. So, you know, what do you, what do you think got you up the 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 chain so fast? Oh, two things: I, I have this uncanny ability for common sense. It's the only way. I could. <laughs> good, it good. It good. Does, it doesn't. I'm not. I'm not. It's not common in any way. Yeah. Well, I understand that. It makes you look. It makes you look like you're phenomenal because you can just understand that concept of common sense. And I can also. I I could always find the easiest way out. I had a, a, um, when I was in fifth grade. I remember I had a science teacher and he had two suction cups and he stuck them together. He wet them and stuck them together. And he went through all the biggest kids in the class and none of them could pull these things apart. And I sat there with a smile on my face and he said to me, he says, well, Phil, looks like you uh, uh, can do this. Like you're stronger than everybody else. And I said, absolutely. And I went and I picked the two edges and I peeled the two apart because Everybody was trying to force it. I just peeled the two apart. You know, uh, I broke the seal, and, and it was like, and that's the way I've always been. I've always been able to pick up on things and figure out things. So I got so good with what I was doing. One of the guys in the sprinkler division wanted to go bounce and go off on his own. And he said, how about you come with me? So I left the nursery and I got into this guy, Jerry Newhook, and we went to Jerry Newhook, Newhook Sprinklers. He was the wrong people. I did all the work. He took all the money. I was a kid. I'm 17 years old, you know, 16, 17 years old. Uh, um, and it built up stress and I ended up leaving that. And I actually got an opportunity to come back and get my diploma. Um, so I didn't have to do uh, – um, uh, you know, an equivalency or anything that way. Cause my dad was a school teacher in the high school. He knew a couple people and he said, listen, come home please. And, and do this. So I did. And I got my diploma and then I got a really good job again. And here's where, you know, my, in my life that, you know, um, I started out, you know, sweeping the floors and, and doing this, it was called key components. It was this electronics uh, place back when, you know, electronics were just coming out and we used to sell to the manufacturers all the little tiny parts that would go into their computers or, you know, whatever they were you know using at the time. And, um, I got to a point where they had, uh, you know, you have a keyboard and they have numbers etched into them or actually now they're just printed or stickered on. But back in the day, you'd have custom keyboards made up and we used to actually, um, you know, uh, you would have this tracing device and you'd actually have to engrave every single individual key. Um, and it became a problem with. Uh, if you went too fast, it chipped it up. If you went too slow, it burned it. Uh, if you didn't land on it right, you know, and so there was a lot of mistakes. Well, I came in and I was I was doing 10 times what everybody was doing and they were all perfect. So I moved up. I moved, you know, I was getting to a point where, and I had a buddy there, Willie. And, you know, at this point, like I said, I'm like 18 years old. I'm able to drink. I'm able to do all these things and have a good time. I don't want to work anymore. So me and Willie say, hey, how about we take a trip across the country? We'll zoom across well, to California. Well, I gotta, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. You're 18 years old and you don't want to work anymore? Where, where is that? I was, where is that? Just Is that just coming from being young and stupid? I mean, where does that 18 and you don't want to work anymore? You're only 18. No, no, no. I, it's not that I didn't want to work anymore. It's just that, you know, um, I wasn't going to college. I wasn't doing anything. I didn't want to end up 20 years from now sitting behind an engraving machine. 
So, uh, you know, and I did. I had the bug. I still wanted to see the world and see everything. And, and who knows what would come up. And, and let me tell you, uh, this is quite an adventure that ended up happening. Um, you know, like I said, we were supposed to go across to California, up to Washington, down to Texas, and then back up across the coast. So I said to the owners of the company, I said, hey, listen, I need to talk to you guys. They thought I was going to quit. So before when I, we finally met, before they could say anything, they said, listen, before you say anything, uh, we want to promote you. We want to put you into sales. Uh, um, you have a future here. You have a career here. Uh, um, we're going to do all these things. And I said, oh, well, I kind of wanted to ask you for a month off so I could go. Me and Willie are going to go you know, see the country. They're like, oh, no worries. Go. Have a great time. They had a nice you know, going away party for me and everything. Um, it was awesome. And I had a job when I came back. So once I want to I want to ask you because there's um, in fact we just had a review on uh, iTunes about hey thanks for editing language because my kids listen to this so there's very clearly younger people listening to this so I want to you know just kind of make it where everybody can learn but again you what do you attribute that to I mean yeah you got common sense that's great but you clearly made yourself a valuable component to this company where they're like hey yeah take a month off you have a job here we want to promote I mean what do you what was making you so valuable I mean. There's got to be more to it than, well, I had common sense. I mean, what do you think was, you know, value? Because that's what that's how you succeed in this world is you make yourself valuable. So what were you doing? It was my mindset. Do you, you know, I, nobody believes me, but I will, I will live beyond 120 years old and I will be snowboarding in my triple digits. I just know that for a fact. It's my mindset. And if somebody says, hey, first of all, if I say I'm going to do something, it's done. It's done better than anybody else could have done it. Somebody might have been able to do it equally, but nobody would have been able to do it better. I won't stop until it's that way. And I don't know where that comes from, okay. but that's just that's just who I am. So uh, you didn't um, read a book or something where you just this is just kind of the way your genetics are coded. I, I I guess and hard and I well listen I watched my dad work he was a school teacher he worked okay. all day then when he came yep. home we did you know I mean it, it was this ethic that I had that you know you work for things my problem was is that I didn't realize you were supposed to get something out of it you know I never put those two together so, so you still, you, you kind of missed the work smarter not harder type of thing it's, okay for the most part most of the time work is when I'm doing work and I'm in it I love it so it's like. Every time it turns into a job, I hate it and I quit. Yep. I, you know, I, I don't know that, if that that's when you start to work. Sense. No, no, it does. It, it was just it's the quote. What is it? Uh, the the day you find some, or when you start to love, or when you do what you love, then you'll never work a day in your life, or or you know something along those lines. Um, so yeah, I I totally get what you're saying. So I guess yeah. another theme is from a parenting perspective, just let your kids see you work hard. Let your kids just understand that world. The world revolves you have to be able to work hard because it sounds but like you that have installed to, a great but, mindset into you yeah, but 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 then the, the reason was never installed the reason was is that i was trading my time for money i was giving it my time but i wasn't t- taking care of the money um and that'll you'll you'll see a better example of that in in, in, a, in a few years uh, but that's just you know me talking so anyway we get out to california and I get into a fight because we were in this guy's car. We were in Willie's car. Who, by the way, when he said, oh, I'm, me and Phil are the ones going to California that way. Um, I was going to take the month off too. And you know what they told him? Have a nice life. Ah, um, gotcha. Uh, so there's a little difference between you and this this fellow then. 
Yeah. And I think that was one of the things, well, put it this way. We left and like that night he was calling back home to mom, tell her how we did. I'm like, are you kidding me? We just left. So anyway, <laughs> I woke up one morning and all my stuff was in the hotel room and he was gone. So I'm now out in California and I'm like, okay, what do I do now? So, and it was his uh, the, car you said? Yeah. Uh, well, so the you're reason in we, go ahead. Yeah. Well, the reason we went to that part of California, Huntington Beach, the surf capital of the world, which again was just like perfect for me, uh, was because his mom had a friend whose kids were going to school out there. So when we met up with them, I got along with them great. I mean, it was it was like these were my long lost buddies, and he didn't. So I would be out, you know hanging and drinking and stuff. Of course, it was 21 out there, so they would get me a – I had a, a birth certificate. said I was born in Christchurch, New Zealand, uh, and that I was 21. So this way I could drink with the guys. And when I woke up the next morning, he was gone. So I was like, okay. And I spent a month or two because I had all this money for the rest of the trip playing frisbee golf, uh, um, you know, uh, hacky sacks, learning how to surf, um, just having a blast. And then uh, instead of buying a ticket to go back home, a plane ticket, I bought a 12-speed bike and said, you know what? I'm going to stay around. S one of the guys that I met up with, his mom was human resources at this big department store called Robinson's. I don't even know if it's still there. So I got hired as temporary Christmas help. And this was about you know a month or so before Christmas. And by the time Christmas came, I had – proven myself so much that they said, hey, listen, we have an opening coming up in uh, a building management. Somebody run the whole uh, um, building, all of the, you know, taking care of the garbage, mopping the floors, getting all done. There's a night crew and a day crew, two crews and all this other stuff. I had no clue what I was doing, but I, I filled out the application. I ended up interviewing at the Westminster store that I worked at. I passed that interview keeping in mind now that I'm still only like 18 and a half years old, they sent me to LA. Um, I, you know, did good at the interview in LA and then uh, um, it came back and they said, sorry, um, you, it was really close, but we want to go with this other guy who's a little bit more experienced. And the only reason why I'm adding this story is because of what comes next. And I know that, you know, you've had a couple things that you were talking about. So I still have my job. I come back to work on Monday, I figured, let me meet this guy and see who took the position. He didn't show up. Uh, Tuesday comes. He didn't show up. He ghosted. I got the ghosted. job. Yeah, I was going to say, there's ghosting uh, existed back then too, apparently. It existed back then and to my advantage. So here's also now where I am being loaded with Kool-Aid. I have no clue what I'm doing. I figured that. And then one day I figured, okay, let me stay a little bit late. I got to meet the night crew, and that was a mistake. My new office, in order to get to it, you had to walk through lingerie. And it was the first time I stayed for the afternoon, and all the young girls came in the afternoon. And I walked to my office, and I'm like, oh, my God, am I going through heaven right now? And so I switched my hours. I'm going to work the nights from now on. And uh, since I had all this time in the day, you said there were young people, so I'll end that story there. Um, during the day, I started working with a neighbor of mine, had a construction company, and we were, you know, everything is concrete out there. So I would work on a jackhammer all during the day, clean up, and then go to Robinson's, you know, for the nighttime. Um, 
then now why did you job. pick up that job just because you wanted more money as a younger kid no you know how cool it is running a jackhammer <laughs> okay okay there you go so you're just like i want to run a jackhammer oh wait they're gonna pay me to run a jackhammer i want that i job. didn't care just... about them i didn't even care about the money i i never cared about money i just it wasn't i was because then i met a couple of guys who had been helping them out on a bigger job and they gave me a job and the next thing you know i'm on pch pacific coast highway with a jackhammer breaking up with the road crews. So this is like what you see on TV. Um, I got the tan of a California guy out with a jackhammer, then going into work. It was was just the life. And of course, then that all came crashing down. And as Kool-Aid does, um, and I decided that, okay, this is it. I'm going to go back to New York. And um, Well, it came crashing down. What do you mean it came crashing down? Uh, a couple of you know, a couple of things happened. So one of the things when I got hired as the uh, manager of a building, there was a, uh, a handicapped individual, Ludwig, super nice guy. And I said to him, "Listen, before I take the job, I said, is there a way we can move him to another department?" I said, "I got my hands full just trying to learn." And they're like, "Nope, he's in this department. You're going to stay with him. You're going to take him. I don't care. This is what it's going to be." So I was like, all right, no problem, uh, you know, and, and I ended up figuring out a way to work with him and I kept him busy. You know, it was just, it was, it was, it was a little bit more difficult with him. And then that store, the, 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 the guy in charge of that store retired and the vice president moved up and the vice president wanted all these changes and everything like that. And one of these things was that Ludwig wasn't performing well enough and now they wanted me to fire him. And I was like, I'm not doing it. You guys made me keep the guy. So now I have a problem with the new president. And so now he's like, how come you're only working at night? How come you're never here in the day? And so, you know, again, I was doing all these things and and, and not really giving it all to, to any of them. Uh, I was performing my job, but, you know, uh, they everybody wants you when you work for somebody, they want everything for them. And it just wasn't happening. I was spread pretty thin. And then I had finally found, too, health-wise, uh, I wanted to buy a car. So a friend of mine uh, um, who lived you – know, we didn't live in apartments. I lived in a uh, – it was a little bit bigger than a shed, I guess you could say. And I had a roommate. Um, and he, there was a Pinto down the street for sale. And while we're there trying to buy this Pinto um, – uh, the guy says, oh, is that a gi you're wearing? And I didn't even know what a gi was. And it turns out that this guy was a, a really uh, – he had he had been trained by the same people who trained Elvis Presley's bodyguard. He had been in a couple movies as, you know, extra, you know, fighters, you know, karate guys and stuff. Um, and I – so I bought the car and the deal I made with him is that not only did I want the car, but I also wanted lessons. And um, it was like, again, it was like the best time of my life. I loved Kempo Karate because it was, it was all these katas. And I just loved that, that whole thing. So we ended up doing this presentation. It was like a fundraiser. And because I live right near him, I was the last one he dropped off. And the guy that I idolized, the guy that I wanted to just be like, um, asked if he could – do some drugs in my house before he went home because his wife didn't like him doing the drugs. And I was devastated. I was like, you got to be kidding me. So I just like, I was like, it's time to get out. This is not, you know, just not happen anymore. So you told the guy, no, 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 you're not doing, you're not coming to my house to do drugs. 
no, I let him come in and do the drugs. I just never went back again. And, you know, um, you know, it, and I was heartbroken, you know, because because right, I you really, looked up to the guy, right? Uh, totally. Uh, and so when you have that power, when I've had that, you know, because I've coached in the past and stuff like that, man, do I take that serious? Uh, um, because I know how it felt to be totally let down by, you know, if you're going to be a coach, you better be who you are. Don't be somebody else because eventually you are going to come out. And if you are not the right person, kids are going to get hurt. And, uh, and it's just wrong. So this, I had this car, had absolutely zero money. Back in the day, you know, um, I had one shell gas credit card, which there was no – they actually had books. And they would open up the book to see if the card number was stolen. That was the only check you had on credit cards. <laughs> so I, I had no money. I grabbed some peaches for some trees. I, you know, had the tank full of gas. I had just rebuilt the whole car. I, you know, pretty much everything. Packed up my stuff and headed back to Long Island. I didn't even make it out of California, and I blew the, uh, uh, yeah, because I had like one hundred and twenty-seven dollars, and I blew the radiator. And I found a place. They fixed it. And it cost me like one hundred nineteen dollars. All right, so you got so eight now bucks had, left. And a credit card, a, a gas credit card. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I made it all the way back to uh, um, Western Pennsylvania. And I'm, it's, it's a Friday night. It's the middle of nowhere. I guess I was on like 80 or something like that. And uh, the, the distributor cap, the little rotor inside must have come off and it split the cap. So now I'm not getting any kind of ignition to the car. I pulled off to the side of the road because I had no choice. The car wasn't running anymore. I, um, I had just passed an exit. As a matter of fact, a couple miles back, I had just gotten gas at this gas station, and he had looked up my card. And so I was like, I guess I have to drive back. You know, I popped the hood, and because I had just rebuilt it, I knew what was – You know, I saw that that was wrong. I got up there. They didn't have the part. Some guy was nice enough. He was going to take me into town, um, and I even got the – gas station to give me 10 bucks off my credit card to go buy the part in town because I didn't have any cash. Just as we pulled up to the store, the store was closed. So I was like, you got to be kidding me. And uh, so I had the guy drive me back to my car. And as we're pulling up to my car, just as it's getting dark, I remembered I had all these, the original parts were still in the back of my trunk, if you want to call it that. It was a hatchback. <laughs> so I popped out the rotor and the distributor cap. I popped it all on. I started the car up. I couldn't believe it. And I guess I got about 50 more miles and the head cracked. So now every hour I'd have to pull over, wait for the engine to cool, dump some more water in it, drive about 30 minutes, pull over, wait for the – it was a miserable ride home. But I finally made it home and it was good because the next day that I got home, back at Key Components, when I was working there, I had met this family – and the two sisters and the brother worked with me. Well, me and the brother got along. He was like my boss in the, the whole production stuff. He came to me and said, Phil, I'm so glad you're back. Let's go into business together. So we went into a contracting company and, uh, you know, uh, we operated it for about a year or so. Contracting and like uh, building-wise? Home, home, okay. home improvements, yeah. Uh, and, and we were busy because we were good, and we were both contributing. Now, he was older. He had a fiancé, and he had was rented a house that had a garage. So we were using his garage and stuff, and the fiancé finally started in his ear, why is he your partner? Why is he your partner? 
he's younger than you, you know. And so he sat me down and said, hey, listen, Phil, I, I think it's not working. Why don't you just come to work for me? And I was like, you got to be kidding me. I was like, after all this. So again, it was the wrong people. Careful who you go into business with, you know, um, or at least spell it out really clear. So now we end up in a big fight. Problem was, is that I'm now about to marry his sister. Oh, man. So oh, it was just, yeah, I know. It was, you know, so you know, now the, but it was crazy. So I ended up not right away marrying the sister. Uh, everything's all messed up. And I go to work for a guy making kitchen cabinets. I work for him for six months. And my, my dad's dad, my grandfather used to have some property on this road called route 112. And it was, uh, it was like the business road, you know, where all the dealerships were and all the stores were. And, uh, and he had, it used to be a garden center. And now it was a whole bunch of things. It was a garden center. It was, a uh, a, a, a guy who sold dinettes and there was a, a kerosene and a propane company on it. And so the lady that was running it or owned it had just it, – it was, it was a really bad situation. So when the lease was up, they didn't renew it. So my aunt and my dad, who were controlling the property, said, hey, Phil, why don't you run it? And it kind of be like your business. You, you run it, and uh, you know, now you can get, kind of get back into business because they knew I was bummed that I had lost the system for the contracting company and everything this way. So here was a chance for me to kind of do something. I had no idea about propane. I had no idea about kerosene. And I opened up, and I guess it was around September. And let me, four let, days let, in. Let me ask yeah, you this real because yeah. I'm curious because there seems to be a lot of you partner with somebody, and then it falls through. You partner with somebody, and then it falls through. And then you made the comment about, you know, you don't know if things were maybe quite mapped out on paper, what the relationship is all going to be. So at this kerosene business, was there anything different? Did you actually put together some sort of contract or just some sort of document exactly mapping out what your role would be, what everybody else's role would be? Or is this kind of another situation where, um, I don't want to speak for you, but it sounds like you almost just rushed into things without uh, having mapped out exactly how the dynamics are all going to work? You've seen the cartoon, The Roadrunner? I have, yes. Uh, you ever see the 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 shape that Wiley e. Coyote makes when he goes through a wall or something? Yep, yep. That's me. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yep. And it's still at this point in my life, there has there is nothing about structure. There is nothing about plans. There is nothing about. So, I mean, I mean that's I, a great learning I example was, for anybody out there, younger, this old. Is why, if you're getting yes. involved, you, you would advise Phil. I'm assuming. Get it on paper, fill it out. It can't be too detailed, and then have both parties sign it. It sounds like you would fully agree with that. Uh, and a hundred percent. And this is, and, and again, when I said in the beginning how I learned, it's because look at this. I keep going around in this circle, yeah. in this circle. I never, I never even fully realized it until I did this for you. So uh, this is why this is uh, this is new to me and a shock to me too and that's why it's like crazy so in comes this customer at the kerosene place place, you're talking now right okay i'm maybe i'm maybe there a week and he comes in with this box and again here's maybe something that you can't learn maybe something that you can't buy and he says to me can you do you fix kerosene heaters my answer was of course i do (laughs) are you crazy (laughs) he leaves me the kerosene heater and i opened it up i was like oh i was so relieved 
the instruction manual was in it. <laughs> I didn't have a computer that I could go to. That, oh, that's so, so true. There was no Google. Yeah, that's true. No. So I opened up the, the manual and uh, I realized that he needs a new wick. He's got to be cleaned out. There was some water in it. I cleaned the whole thing up. I get everything going. I get everything, you know, looking good. Um, I find out that, you know, a couple miles down the street is a place that sells wicks. I send one of the kids out, you know, go get the, you know, go get a wick. Um, I replace the whole thing. And by, when, the, when the guy came back the next day to pick up his heater, not only did he pick up his heater, but I had painted a sign, expert kerosene heater repairs. I fixed almost 500 heaters that season. I, From, I, I, love I didn't even know what a kerosene heater did. I, th- this was, I had never seen one before in my life. Th- another, this doesn't mean as much to you, but I interviewed, for those of you listeners, uh, Jeff. Think back to, to his discussion where the guy asked him about the home automation system. He's like, uh, yeah, I can do that. And even though he didn't know how to do it, but he said yes, and he uses work ethic. He uses outlook. Uh, as Phil would put it, he just used kind of his mindset. He's like, yeah, I'm going to get it done. And he got it done. And then, yeah, you saw where that took Jeff and his business. And here we have Phil, same ex- yeah, I fixed it. Yeah, we fixed those. And just the go-getter attitude, you figure out how to do it. And then how many did you say you fixed? 500? Almost five. Well, not only did I have almost fixed 500 that season, but the next season, uh, the places that I was getting some of the wicks from, they were like, listen, you know, you took all the customers. Nobody wants, you know, Nobody wants to have their heaters fixed here anymore. Um, you know, so I ended up buying out all the inventory of the two guys that were within 30 miles of me to fix kerosene heaters so that now if anybody needed a wick, they had to come to me. I thought I was the smartest guy on the planet. Now, I would say you were pretty uh, smart, but what it, what was different from your business model compared to those others two that allowed you to basically crush their – uh, business and and take all their customers. I mean, were you doing something different? Was it overhead? Overhead. Gotcha. Okay. I, I didn't. I didn't, I had no overhead. This was just something I was doing on the side. So the wick was costing me about you know two bucks. Uh, um. Uh. The cleanup was nothing. I had you know a place to I had kerosene coming in and going. So I had a place to get rid of the bad stuff and you know new stuff to fix it. Uh. I, then then I started selling like the little pumps and the little you know all kinds of little different things that went along with kerosene heaters. Here was here was my problem that I didn't see. And again, something else that anybody else should look at was that all of a sudden, remember, this is in the age of really expensive oil. All of a sudden, I guess all the embargoes, everything broke, oil came down. Nobody used kerosene heaters anymore. I I got, I'm always the last, it's like I'm, I'm always in the right place, just the wrong time. Um, but it was, you know, so one of the things, and I, I didn't realize that was happening because what happened was, is that all became secondary. Uh, I like I said, I took over the place in September. So because things were getting really tough that winter and there wasn't enough money, uh, my aunt decided to take a little piece of property um, and leave my dad and me with the with the company. And um, so if my aunt got ten, my dad figured then he should get ten. So he came to me and said, "Okay, listen, it's all yours. You owe me 20. <laughs> I was like, "Okay." Um, and you know, we, I, we kind of set up a little bit of a payment plan and everything this way. So I said, all right, things aren't going, you know, it, it's going to take me a long time to do this. And right next to me was a dinette shop and I started becoming friends with them and they kept complaining about these tables that were coming in damage and they couldn't find anybody to make them. And I was like, oh, I worked at a cabinet shop for six months. I could make those. 
So they're like, well, the, so they said, okay. And, I, and then I decided, I also realized that my lease, I had like seven years on the lease there and it was not going to be renewed. That was the most they could get because they were, my parent, my dad and my aunt, they were trying to sell the property and the new owners weren't going to allow the lease to go beyond it. So I'm like, all right, well, what am I going to do then? So I, maybe I didn't put it on paper, but here I started to plan a little bit. So I went and opened up a cabinet shop. One of the other things that allowed me to do that is my dad was building a big house in Vermont. So he said, listen, I need kitchen cabinets. So how about I buy the saw and some of the you know bigger tools, the compressor maybe, and all my materials. And you then, you know, and so that's what I did. I opened up a cabinet shop. So and, you paid your dad via uh, labor. He got you the tools and then you paid him back with your, your skill and knowledge. Is that was how that arrangement went? Right. Okay. So I built, I built all the kitchen cabinets, the bathroom cabinets. I built everything, loaded them into a truck because this is on Long Island, drove them up to Vermont and installed them in his house when he was ready. We were, he, I was paid off for the stuff there. Um, but I had, there was this guy who was running – I mean this guy had every big builder out east and I really wanted to do some work for this guy and I was desperately trying to get a hold of this guy with Stallone cabinets. And I said, man, if I could get this one account, it would just – you know, I really, really – and I was having the most difficult time uh, uh, um, you know, getting this guy to even answer my calls or return my calls or talk to me. So one Sunday morning, I happened to be up at the gas place um, – and I'm putzing around inside and some guy comes in and he doesn't want to buy a little pump to move some kerosene into his, uh, uh, from his tank, from his can into his heater. He wants to know if he can borrow one. And I'm like, you know, absolutely. He's like, well, how do you use it? I showed him how to use it. And I, I actually said, here, I'm going to lend him this one. And then I said, here, why don't you take one of these rags? And I, you know, I, I did a couple of things and everything this way. So he left. He came back a little bit later and he handed me back the rag, the pump, and he put a folder on the counter. And I said, well, what's in the folder? He said, those are the, those are the next four houses I'm bidding on out east. My name's Joe Stallone. How you doing? I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> the guy came in to test to see what kind of guy I was. I had no idea. And from that point on, the, the cabinet building, the cabinet business, I, I mean, I was, I was featured in magazines. I was, it, was, it was huge. And then, that, then I wanted to become the manufacturing facility. That was like my calling. And this is where well, I well, really started getting. Right, you, I, yeah, I appreciate your kind of humility, but you just seem to be skipping over, like, or you nonchalantly say, like, yeah, and I did this, and I did this, and I'm thinking, wait a second. So just to break it down, you wanted to get a hold of this guy. You want to? I mean, do you off the top of your head, how many phone calls did you did you make to him? Oh, uh, um, you know, again, not to be a pest. And back then, we mailed things, so I, I had, I made, you know, I put up a little brochure, and I'd have it, you know, uh, uh, you know, done really nice. Keep in mind, I, I guess, and I didn't, you know, talk about this. I, when I had my cabinet shop back in those days, I had the largest personal computer known, basically, to mankind. Um, I had a forty megabyte hard drive. Oh wow. A 40 megabyte hard drive with a five and a quarter floppy disk that had the DOS, the operating system on it. I was the only guy, though, making three dimensional drawings, making two dimensional drawings, not on paper, because I was so messy with paper. And there was this awesome program. I wish they would bring this program back. It was called Lotus Works. And if you wanted to add a line, the command was AL. 
If you wanted to add text, the command was A-T. If you wanted to edit line width, E-L-W, it was the easiest thing in the world. It was the first you know, thing that I ever work with. And so I made up this nice brochures and I would mail them to him all the time and, you know, talk, you know, send him some photographs of some stuff that I did. Um, so you're right. I, I kind of overlooked a couple things. But I mean, here. how so many, how was, many times you know, did you reach out to him though, do you think? Nah, probably over three or four months. So, but I mean like you, three how many months. brochures, how many calls, how many bits? Uh, pro- Probably what I would do is, you know, if I think back is that, you know, uh, obviously the beginning of the month I would send out, you know, a brochure. Then maybe a week later I'd call and say, hey, listen, I just, you know, following up, I sent you out some information. You know, did you get the information? You know, and of course you got an answering machine. And, uh, um, you know, again, later on I found out that this guy was just a crook. Um, And, you know, it ended up that he got eliminated and then they all called me in because they all realized that I was doing the work. But, you know, that's – you know, again, we could talk about. But I guess I, the, the the lesson here that that stands out to me is you like, and I was. It sounds like being a pest isn't necessarily a bad thing. If you have something of value, then it it, it benefits you to try to get it in front of that person. And it took some persistence, but it it ultimately worked out for you. I mean, so. Well, I think there's a difference between being a pest. All right, so like if I if I happen to look at you know some an article of clothing on a site, and then I get emails. 10 times a day from that company. I'm never buying from them, even if I love their stuff, because that's too much. Okay. You know, I, so, I, I see a, that. so there is a line. Yeah, there is a line. But that's that's because you're insult you're insulting my intelligence. I see what you got. You don't have to mind me. If I really need that and I really want it, I'll get it. You know, and so I guess that was always my attitude. So where's the I line was, at then? Uh, you, I guess that you develop that in what you're doing. I had developed, I had figured out that because there was probably other contractors that I would show. You know, I would go right to builders and I'd be at their door every day. And then it got to a point where they have some of their bigger foremen outside saying, "Get the heck out of here! He doesn't want to see you. Don't come back." You know, so you kind of learn, you know, when you push and when you don't. And I guess that was just, you know, this was. So you must have loved Paul uh, when he was when he told a story about oh, people. Oh, I'm keep, telling keep you, I, off my- I, I just, uh, um, uh, he is the greatest guy. I'm so, you know, uh, um, I feel. Uh, you have no idea because you have no idea how. Yeah, I'd imagine how I am that, about three D printing. Yeah, to- oh my god, three D print. Yeah, I mean, just the- plus you'll you'll see when I was overseas, one of my jobs was to do almost what they do exactly. Um, uh, so a little bit more on this particular company. This is where I started to get you know a little bit more. This went from uh, uh, me doing business as to an LLC uh, uh, to a C corp to an S corp. You know, to rather from S corp to a C corp. You know, this really grew. I was going to be a big manufacturer. I was financing tools. I was. I had all of the uh, uh, the most modern, up to date CNC equipment. Um, and for that time, it just kind of really wasn't heard of. But I just kept. You know, I, I just knew. I kept investing in the company. I just kept getting new machines. I kept. You know, doing what I'm doing, and this is such that I think everybody right now needs to realize. Listen, we've been ten, nine, ten years now, where the markets have done nothing but go up. 
And this is where I was at this point. And once those markets changed, let me tell you, it is a totally different story. So I hope everybody's prepared for that hiccup that comes along because I've seen it wipe out all hard work because you just don't realize it's coming or that it's there. So, you know, this was another thing that I wanted to, even Paul, I want to see Paul succeed. I want Paul going all the way. And I just, and he may have, and he seems like he's got plans and stuff like that. But look at that section of your plan again. Make sure, because if we get some type of hiccup where all of a sudden you're not getting paid. I've worked for in, in, in the cabinet business for customers who paid cash up to government who pays in 120 days if you're lucky. Each one of those things has to be controlled. I also learned that in my business, when I had six employees, I raked in the money. When I had 10 employees, I lost my shirt. And it wasn't until I got back up to 14 employees that I started making money again. So there's all these different little nuances that go. Now, I was very, very fortunate. Going back to the gas place, now we come to – I now own the place outright. They weren't patient enough. Memorial Day comes along. I'm coming to open up early Memorial Day, and I'm like, what's going on with the traffic? I can't believe this. I need to get – I'm going to be late. The, the, it was like jam-packed, like there was an accident. Well, you know, Everybody was lined up to get gas from me. I had a 1,000-gallon tank, and with propane, you're only allowed to fill it up 80% of the way. I had days – on the weekends where a truck would come in to fill my tank up with gas and he would give me 1,200 gallons. In a th- That's how fast we were pumping. Wow. That's how fast we were pumping it out. I was buying the gas about 30 cents a gallon and it wasn't even – the gas was basically averaging out at about $2.30 a gallon and it didn't even average out that way. It was a scale fee. It was 11 bucks to put it on the scale. Whether you had a full tank, a half a tank, nothing in the tank, it was 11 bucks. I had the, I would have to go home three, four times a day because I had too much cash. The kids, I would, I would, I would, the kids would come in and they would hand me these, you know, pockets full of cash. I'd hand them 15 singles, you know, five fives and a couple of tens, and send them back out with a small, nice, easy pile to work with. And they would just keep coming in with the cash and coming in with the cash. I had no idea. The first dollar I made with that company, I was so hungry, I went up and bought food. <laughs> so I, here's another lesson I learned. I also went that whole summer. I took all that cash. I never once paid for gas. So now we come back into you know Labor Day, and and, and I also learned uh, I, I learned so much. I mean, there's so many things we could talk about, um, but. They came to me at the end of the season and said, you know, Phil, listen, where's all the money? I was like, what money? They're like, for all the gas you sold? I was like, oh, I, I spent it. You want to see some of the stuff I bought? Uh, so <laughs> uh, it didn't matter because every tank I got during the winter, I have to pay for the, pay for the tank up front and a little bit towards the arrears. Um, as soon as the summer came around, I paid it back in like two weeks. I paid it all back in, in like the first couple of weeks of the summer, and then I was paying it. Then I got to keep the money. That's when I started dumping it into the cabinet shop. And so I had the money now to grow the cabinet shop, and I just kept taking the cash over and taking the cash over and, and building it and building it and building it. Um, then I started I, – I, I had such a good relationship. I used, to get, I used to have a direct mailer who would do $1 off your tank, and for every 1000 
coupons he'd mail out, I no exaggeration, would get 600 of them back. It was like unheard of in in the land of direct yeah, mailing. 60%. You never got 60%. Yeah. 60% return was unheard yeah. of. But this was a dollar off the propane tank, and there was no other place to get it on the weekend. If you were out of gas on the weekend, I didn't care where you were coming from. You had to come to me. And that's why everybody just came to me. How so did you manage your time that, during all this? I mean, you're doing cabinets. You have this gig going on. I mean, did you have – is this where you had multiple – I guess what was the, the management oh, yeah. structure? How did you manage your time exactly? I mean, being – you know, with all this going on. Bringing a prayer. Yeah, I, there was, you know, I had a little bit. Of, so one of the, I had, I had hired, there was a, like a, a group of kids that were, you know, maybe two or three years younger than me that I kind of remember from high school and stuff like that. And there, so now they were all of this age. One of the kids was going to school to be accountant. So he was doing the books for both companies. Um, and then um, I had, you know, I was hiring, you know, you know, I had some guys that were like in school and college and stuff. They would watch the place up at, you know, in Medford, the, the, the gas place and the propane, you know, the propane and the kerosene place. You know, they would watch that. You know, I just had different guys and most of that was cash. When I finally decided to actually go into business and start paying guys, I really only did it at, you know, the, the cabinet shop. And so um, even though I had Lee doing bookkeeping, I still had an accountant. And so... The first quarter, the accountant came in to me and said, okay, here's what you withdrew from the paychecks. Here's what you have to match. Here's your sales tax that you have to pay. Here's everything all filled out. Just sign on where I told you to sign, write out the checks, and mail all the things out. And I looked at it and I said, well, I don't have this money, and I put it in a drawer. Second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, fifth quarter, sixth quarter, seven quarters I did that for. I had never sent any out, so I had never gotten busted. So now I'm on my honeymoon and my dad was going to come and watch the shop for me for a week. And when you own a, a manufacturing facility, there's usually in my in, in the cabinet business, the guy who cuts and runs the saw runs the shop because if you don't have stuff cut up, nobody can work. So I come back from my honeymoon and the business is closed. And I'm like, what's going on? Well, on Tuesday – my lead guy, the cutter, got a chip in his eye because he didn't feel like wearing his glasses because I wasn't around to bust his chops. There's no work for everybody. Everybody leaves. So my dad's sitting around in the office. He sees – he opens up the drawer. He sees all these forms. He's like, oh, my God, Philip's going to get in trouble. He mails them all out for me. I'm like, are you kidding me? Uh, three weeks later, my all my bank accounts were seized. Everything was shut down. Everything was locked up and clamped up. I was like, you got to be kidding me. From just, I didn't know what I was going to – And this all – I mean, was it a slow – like did they give warnings or did it just happen? Like boom, bank account seized. I, I basically stole from my employees for almost two years. They just seized it. It was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's, you can't do it like this. Fortunately for me, uh, uh, it was before regulation uh, and uh, I went down to the bank and uh, Diane Carey, who was the manager of the bank – uh, she already knew because obviously she got all the messages. And she's like, I figured I'd see you today. I had done her whole house, her kitchen. She's like, well, what are we going to do? I'm like, I need money, Diane. So we sat down. I filled out a couple of pieces of paper and we paid off the government. It was almost $135,000 100 with you know interest and stuff like that. So 
I now had another thing I had to pay off because I didn't. I also went to a payroll company at that point too. I went to paychecks. I didn't use ADP. I used paychecks, and they they took the money every week. They you know, and then I started learning because I was like, listen, if you're going to get into this and get a little bit bigger, you you better start learning some things. Um, so, <laughs> so the moral of the story here is. Just hire a bookkeeper. Learn first. You know, get on. I- Learn first, do later. Well, you know, again, I, 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 the key here is that all of this stuff was done unconsciously, and this is what happens in a life when you run it unconsciously. Now, listen, I've had some of the most incredible things happen to me. Some of the most incredible times in my life. I would not change one second of it. Not one second of it. Um, it just the things that happened, you know, uh, they just happened. Here, here I am. So, so now the guy that I had been doing the uh, um, direct mailing with, we went into business together, and we wrote something out, and it was an LLC, and he was going to put in the advertising because if he was putting out these coupons and these direct mailings to slip another thing in for me, what's the big deal? So I had a sales company with him. Problem was, is that you're not getting sixty percent. You know, we all had these high expectations, and and then he thought I was stealing from him, and that didn't work. I had an installation company because I couldn't, you know, uh, um, I used to hire a guy, and then you know he'd be like, "Well, I can't because I'm busy today," and his work would take pres- precedent. So I didn't want to include it with the shop, so I started a whole new install company, and then we would install. I then had little things. I had modular things, like I had the uh, a sensible storage, which is a little line that I had in the manufacturing that you know you buy these cabinets, you put them together in your garage and you got a nice little workbench in your garage or your basement and I had uh, I did futons I did you know all kinds of different things uh, so uh, you know it just got to a point where as the market changed I had to change with it and just try to stay busy then it just got to a point where you know I just didn't it was too much every time I'd train a guy and this is something that you know everybody's got to look out for I would train a guy how to run the saw how to run the shop how to read the prints how to figure things out how to think for himself you know what they did started their own thing not only did and tried stealing your customers so I was like you know what I just I didn't want to do this no more so I I paid you know I didn't owe anybody money I had owned all my machineries I owed I didn't owe anybody anything I closed it all down. I rented out a much smaller unit, and I got some rigs to take all my machinery up, and I put it all over into this other unit. And I said, you know what? Until I can figure out what I'm going to do, I'll just sell a piece of machinery, and that'll keep me going for a little while. Uh, I walked into the guy that I worked for for six months doing cabinets where I learned everything. And he was also having some tough times. So after talking for a little while, we said, hey, listen, why don't we do something together? And I, we were, I thought we were both a little bit smart. We said, hey, let's not just rush into something. I'll bring a couple machines over. I'll run the shop in the back because I didn't want to deal with the people. You know, At that point, you know, customers were already annoying me. I'll run the whole production end of it. You run the, the, the sales end of it. And a year from now, we'll sit down and we'll see where we're at and see what we want to do. So and then what, what, really was, his role? what was his role then? He took care of all the sales. Oh, okay. So he had to get the jobs. He had to get the jobs. I had to and make then them. deal with the people and you just got the job done. That's okay, right. Gotcha. And I just made sure it was done exactly the way it was supposed to be done. And so a year later came by, everything was going great. And we went to sit down and he's like, Phil, things are going great. And we went on to his business because it was all, you know, his was the one that was open. I had closed mine. I, I, I don't need a partner anymore. Things are going good. 
So I was like, okay, again, the wrong person. So I took my machines and I went out, and that's well, what, that's I, the point in what my. Was, how did he replace you though? Did he have another guy that was going to run the shop and had machines, or what was his? I don't understand how that made any sense for him. I mean, cause it sounds like you, if business was good, well, my job wasn't to cut anymore. I mean, I could cut and I would cut and I would fill in, but my job was to make sure number one, all the machines are running. You put a kid on a on a you know on a eighty thousand, ninety thousand dollar machine. And he messes it up, you're in trouble. So I would keep all the machines running good. I would make sure all the paperwork was good. Make sure the materials were ordered. It wasn't as much, you know, of that. Um, hey, he struggled afterwards, and I don't know, you know, what happened. I was going to say, I don't know how did he replace that, your, you know, what what you were all doing. I mean, I mean, what who well, knows? what I learned from that yeah. whole uh, that whole venture is that there's a difference. Because he was a shop. He wasn't a business. He was a ma and pa shop. And that was happened. There was a lot of these ma and pa shops that, you know, that'll never be businesses. They'll always just be ma and pa shops. And I wanted to become a business, a legitimate manufacturing facility. And I guess he was just happy, you know, being, and maybe that was a better way, you know? I mean, we always put cash in our pockets all the time. We had, you know, plenty of money, uh, but it didn't work. And, and at that point, I said, you know what? Never again. I'm going to sit here and figure out what do I want to do. And this was the first time in my life that I said, what do I want how to do? how old were you? Uh, at this point now, I'm starting – I'm in my, my 30s okay. now. Maybe 31, 32. I mean because so, this all started you know, to you when this, you were 18. So this has been over a decade of just learning and learning and uh, you know, like you said, the, yeah, the coyote. Two decades. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. yeah, two decades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and so now I'm finally like, okay, this uh, – uh, why don't you do something that you love? And so I really wanted to travel the world. That's what I wanted to do. So I said, okay, well, that eliminates any company that's not international. And I found this company, um, which is, you know, again, what really got me interested, uh, in, even in what the stuff that Paul does. But um, I found this company based in Switzerland, and they made metal fabricating machines, lasers, uh, they made water jets, they did, I, at the time I didn't realize they had full automation lines, and I just loved that stuff. So I got an interview, uh, um, and you know the guy's bragging to me who's interviewing me about how he's got these big projects coming up that somebody's going to run this, and he pointed up to this sign that said Hammerley. I had no idea what it was. I had, you know, no idea where it was, anything. And uh, he said, so what, would, what do you think you'd like to do here? And I says, well, I'm going to run that division. And I pointed up to the sign. I said, I'm going to run that Hammerley division. And I'm going to, I'm going to help. I'm going to bring that. I'm going to be part of the team, if not the leader of the team that brings that over to the United States. And he looked at me like, okay, you got some pretty high ambitions there. Uh, I then went to work assembling these lasers and so when you I, got you got lasers, the job then these, okay. yeah i any job i want i get um i i picked and then i picked this job it wasn't like you know uh, i walked in and said no 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 I, i'm i'm you are hiring me i didn't it wasn't like they had a choice <laughs> so I like it. uh i'm working i'm working there for about you know six or seven months and uh you know things are going along really good i've I, i've really proven myself i'm now you know they're giving me more responsibilities but then all of a sudden one friday they they hand us our paychecks and on the paychecks there's a number either a one or a two and they said listen we we have a we have a big announcement we want to make a company-wide announcement the room we have the rooms we have aren't big enough for everybody 
So we split you guys into two rooms. So if you got a one, go into this room. If you got a two, go into this room. So I go into the two room and I'm looking around. And I'm like, hey, these are all the guys that you know kind of started around me, and you know some were there and the newer guys, and I didn't see any of the older Uh-oh. guys. Room number room number one, I knew guys 23 years, 17 years, 12 years gone. Out the number door. Number one was a room that nothing. got cut. All the all the guys that have been there forever. Oh wow! All that the was, guys that had experience, gone. That was uh, no benefits, no per, no nothing, gone. And I was like, "You've got to be kidding!" Oh, I thought me. it was your room that was so, gone. With if you had all the younger people in there. No, wow. we were we, we cost less after you, you, this was a place where you had a, a specific review, and at the review you said if you accomplish these things, this is how much you will get. And so you always had things to accomplish, and you always had a new amount of money you could get. So after 17 years, after right. 23 years, that's a lot yep, of raises. Yep. They took the guys that started, and that ticked that, you know, kind of like set off something in my mind that, okay, you no longer can trust even the big, large corporations anymore for, you know, what was it, uh, uh, Honeywell that you first yeah, started with? Yeah, I was, was going to say, I. Uh... Um, imagine, imagine working for Honeywell for, for 23 years, thinking that everything's going great, and at the last second they get bought by somebody and you're wiped out? Yeah, no. I mean, that was. I, 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 I think I know where you're going, and, you know, I'll see in my mind if, if I know. But for me, it was always uh, because what we did for Honeywell, essentially I worked for the Department of Energy, but it was always, oh, it's such and such gets in there, or for such and such party takes over, such and such. And it's just like, I really don't like this feeling of if some sort of political party or some sort of political, you know, whatever takes over, then my job is all of a sudden going to be potentially on the line. I mean, that's that's kind of scary. I, I don't like that feeling. And so, yeah, I, I think that's where yeah. you're probably headed is you just wanted to literally take kind of not to be over overly dramatic, but you want to take your destiny into your own hands and be like, I want to be in full control where if I fail, then there's one place I head and that's to wherever the, lo- the the nearest mirror is at. And then I look in the mirror and well, there you go. That's the problem. Not, you know, any sort of external event. So I don't know if that's where you're headed with this, but it sounds like, well, that, that scares uh, me to hear that did, story. It, yeah. Well, it, it did concern me, you know, that that companies could do that. And I've obviously seen that happen, you know, again, you know, since that time. But to me, it was an opportunity because now more than half my competition for that position to run that big project was gone. Interesting. So you, so, you, you it made you nervous, but it didn't scare you. You you looked at it as an opportunity. Uh, That's no. awesome. That's interesting. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because, just because that one candle gets a little bit freaky doesn't mean it's going to scare me out of the trade. That's right. That's right. I, you know, I wanted to run that division. So I didn't realize it, but they started testing me again. And so we had this project where we started with these things called uh, buy-sell towers. They were like uh, two to three stories tall, and they were just a bunch of racks. And they would hold in these racks, and the, the, the cassette for one of these racks was um, about uh, eight foot by 10 foot a little bit bigger because the sheets of, of metal were eight foot by 10 foot. So figure nine foot by 10 foot. And there would be maybe, you know, 50, 60 of these trays on this, you know, and you'd have one on either side, these two racks. And the machine would come up, it, the computer would say, okay, we need the rack, uh, we need the metal that's on rack number 12. It would go up to rack number 12, pull out the cassette, bring it down and send it over to the laser cutting machine. 
the other layers and then would scoop up the parts and bring them back and put them in a different cassette. So now you could run a metal fabrication business off of a, 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 a telephone. You didn't even have to be there. Um, the problem was is that they didn't they came with no cables so we needed to make up a cable package and there was a close to 400 cables on on these projects so i i had to make and document every single cable that was necessary for the first unit we tested it then on a second unit and then we put it live and we put it into the shop and we had two different crews you know for two different jobs that went out one crew made the set of cables another crew set made a set of cables and when those two machines were stalled um one machine had two cables that were no good um that just didn't work and that we had to arrange in the whole thing and the other machine had the same two cables but two additional ones but the two additional ones because they rerouted some stuff so that was a pretty good percentage of how well i did and that earned me the right to go to switzerland and bring this new machine over to the United States, and that was the job that I wanted. And the, so you, the job, not only you're that, you're just hustling, man. You're just yeah. hustling. You're just getting stuff done. Is kind of what I'm taking away from I'm, this. I'm, I'm focused on at this point. I'm focused on a specific thing. And when you have focus and intention towards going towards something, you just end up there. Uh, um, and so now here I am. I'm now back and forth. Uh, I'm spending time over in Europe. I am learning and having the most unbelievable time of my life. Uh, um, you know, Friday, I would get handed uh, MapQuest directions uh, with different places. They sent me to every place in their country. I went to so many places in Switzerland, they would send me to see them um, and say, here, you got to go see this. Here, you got to go see that. Here, you got to go see this. And, and just, it was just absolutely incredible. I would stay at the hotel sometimes on the weekends and I would work I had I became I was like part of the family at the hotel, and this is a hotel in a in a Vanganandarati. I mean, it, the, the whole thing is surrounded by walls. There's a one lane bridge that gets back and forth. The thing is like a thousand years old, and you know that's the kind of hotel it was. But you know, I, I would help get the heaters started in the winter time, or trim the bushes outside. Just anything, just to just to be a part of it. So um, when I ended up bringing this product. And, and we were able to distribute to the United States. The, the, the thing was a press break. Again, something I never even knew what, what it was or, or, or what it had to do with. Um, uh, it, the Most press breaks work off of a, a mathematical formula because you have a specific a set tool and a set die. If the die is, uh, is just basically an empty space that's 90 degrees, the tool punches it into the die and it bends the metal 90 degrees. This machine had a die that the, the, it would move up and down. So you had to use empirical formulas, empirical data. So it meant that you had to take every single species of steel, every type of angle that could be bent, bend it, document it, record it, and enter it into the system. And that's what I did for almost a year over in Switzerland. I had three big machines, three guys operating machines all day long. That's all they did was bent what we called coupons. Different sizes, different. I just had to make sure the information got down, and it was great. Then when we brought it to the United States, it was my responsibility now. I would go into a company, and, and we would say, give me your the most expensive part that you make. And they would bring me this piece of metal. Let's say it was a company that made microwave ovens. And they had one piece of metal that was really like four pieces of metal bent different ways separately, then welded together and buffed and cleaned and all this other kind of stuff. And I would have to figure out how to do that out of one piece of metal 
cut it on the laser and then bring it over to our special press and bend it. Now you could eliminate you could eliminate uh, uh, guys who had to debar everything. You could eliminate welders. You could eliminate, you know, and that part all of a sudden became a lot less. And it had to because these machines were millions of dollars a piece. Right. So, so the big angle that you're great. selling is efficiency. Yeah. I, and and labor is always the most expensive thing in anything you right, do. Right, right. So that, that was so your main focus eliminate was, labor, yeah, look how efficient I can make your process. Right. Okay. Interesting. That's good stuff. But we, we – my territory was North America. So I would come in on a Monday morning and there would be itinerary, plane tickets, you know, everything would be on my desk. I would take all that and I would go off to the next and I would work with these companies who bought the machines and work with their guys on the parts and back and forth and how you set it all up. And, you know, I usually work with a mechanic. He did, he made sure the machines were running good. I made sure that software wise and that the programming was all right on them. And it was great. And then they built a brand new facility. Just real, built all real these, quick. I want to, yeah. you don't have a college degree. Is that correct? No, but I did come back and I got my actual diploma. So I do have a high school diploma. Okay, okay. so because what I'm hearing is basically you're, you're borderline an engineer. Uh, maybe you're solving a lot of problems. That's and what that's what you know engineers do. But uh, you, that, right. well, you don't have any yeah. sort of degree. So I, I guess the point here that I'm trying to make, and I, I want to get your thoughts on it, is well, I don't have a college degree, so therefore I can't do insert blank. I have a strong sneaky suspicion that. You would look at that person and be like, do you want to hear my story? I don't have a college degree yet. Here you are. I mean, selling, you said these are million dollar machines? Oh, yeah. And, and the salespeople counted on me. They would Counted on you, but all shows. you have is a high school diploma? Are you, so I, to listeners out there, I don't want to hear your excuse. You don't need necessarily a college degree. You just need kind of a, I'm, what do you need, Phil? You need yeah. a what? A, a work ethic? A mindset? I mean, what do, what do you think? A mindset. A mindset that there's nothing you can't do. If you want anything, you can do it. You just have to take action. One of my favorite sayings is that uh, um, learning should not lead to knowledge. If learning needs leads to knowledge, it's a waste. Learning must lead to action. That's yeah. Learning must lead. That's to true. I, I see what you're saying because okay, you have knowledge of something, but what good does that do you unless you what take action? What good does it do you if you do something with it? Right now, I, I haven't even told you. I used to then design all these custom little fun parts to make, you know. Um, but you know, like I said, because we could go on, you know, about all these different things. Uh, um, I started using the fact that I could see because. When I started getting into building management, building construction and land development, I would I would be presented with a set of plans, uh, whether they be civil, structural, engineering, and I would have to correct them all. They would always all be wrong. <laughs> I'd have to I'd have to correct just about so many things because nobody goes out actually out to the field. So you have civil engineers who have no concept what rock is in the ground. It's like, well, how can you be a civil engineer and not know that if I dig down five feet here and it's all rock, you're not putting anything in here. So again, it just comes from experience and the common sense of, 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 of doing different things. So this company then ended up building a facility right there next to the, where we used to assemble the stuff and no longer did I have to leave. I had – there was 12 classrooms, so the companies now would come to us. We had all the machines set up downstairs, and they would all come to us. And now I'm going to the same place every day, and I didn't want it, and I didn't hate it. And at that time, 
there was this guy who was trying to make a name for himself in the car business. And he got in with this guy who owned, I don't know, 15 different dealerships. And he was trying to run all these dealerships for the guy and prove to the guy that he could not only run them, but, you know, modernize them, bring them up to date. And he knew, uh, you know, about me. I, I don't know how, how we had, you know, but he kept bugging me. Hey, come on, come to work for me. I will take care of you. You will have anything you want. Come on. And he kept up in the ante, up in the ante. And when I got told that I was no longer going to be on the road and that I would no longer be traveling, I said, you know what, then I'm going to go take up this other thing. And that's how I ended up moving from, uh, you know, from one to the next. And, um, and like I said, I just, from there, I made this guy look so good that he ended up with his own dealerships and so you that, went into that, car sales then? Got me. No, I hate cars. I hate you know anything to do with cars. I would never own a new car in my life, um, even if I had billions of dollars, unless it was a Tesla. And if you don't have a college education, Elon Musk is hiring. Um, he doesn't want kids with college education most of the time because they've been there. They have the wrong things in their head. So this is now. I said, okay, this is. Really, everything is kind of getting messed up here. I no longer have control of my life, and here's where I started planning and making my life. And this is where I started now, and it took me three years to come up with a plan. And this is one of the reasons why sometimes I get a little bit frustrated at you, Clay, because where were you 15, 20 years ago when I needed you? <laughs> I needed your templates 15 to 20 years ago. Now, you have these templates now in, 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 in the different – things, ventures that you have, whether it be money with clay or, uh, um, you know, uh, the, the trading, uh, um, it's a template and you don't give me the answers, but you give me a template you say, Hey, listen, here's the, fill in the blanks with what's in my heart and what I want to do. And that will give me, but I never had that template. I had to kind of come up with my own. Now I'm able to check my template against you know, the things that you've been able to, because you're awesome with process. You know how to put things into a process. And I not only, you know, I just didn't want to do it. I didn't realize how important it was. So for those people who feel like they don't want to do it, it's not important, fine, get one. Now, if you have wealthy people that you can now learn what their template is and get involved with them, by all means. But I love being here because I feel that there's a group of people. And what we're doing is we're right now we're pushing we're all lifting each other up on top of ourselves to get over and across to that line. And once somebody gets up there, now they'll start reaching and pulling the rest of us up. And that's as a team, as a group. This is what I feel. This is why I want to be a part of you guys and your group because this is where you're all headed. And I don't mind right now sitting here pushing people up, 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 up above me because I know eventually somebody's going to reach down. It's going to be my turn to be pulled back up. So That's good stuff, yeah. Now – now I'm in this this thing where I've started planting my trees and my trees, you know, I'm waiting for them to fruit. I, if you haven't noticed a tree, if you've been around long enough, you, you'll plant a new tree. And for like the first couple of years, it's like, is this tree going to make it? It just doesn't do nothing. It doesn't grow. And then all of a sudden, that fourth year or that fifth year, it's like it doubles, it triples. You've got to be patient. you got to stick with it. This is – go back to your homepage. It's about living it's about your life. It's about your lifestyle. This is not, okay, I want a new car. I'm going to work. I'm going to get a new car, and I'm done with that. This changes. This is something you work on forever, from now until the day you die. So work on it. 
plant your trees, cultivate your trees. You know, they talk about how you watch a movie and Rocky goes from this out of shape guy to five minutes later, he's in a title fight. <laughs> well, well, what happened to, how did he get from point A to point B? Oh, well, it's five minutes. It's nice and simple and yeah, easy. Yeah, there's nice, no, there's a not. nice montage, montage with music oh, playing. And, with the music, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Enough with the music already. I tried playing that music and I'm still in the same spot. <laughs> And I'm actually I'm not in the same spot. I am I am successful now. I am successful in my way. I am I am wealthy in some aspects of my life, but all aspects of my life I'm working on. Every single day I'm trying to bring and do a little bit here. I have another one of my favorite sayings. So when I I laid all this stuff out and I looked and I said, "Wow, that this is it's almost overwhelming." And when I come across something that's overwhelming, one of my favorite sayings is, what's the best way to eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. And that's all I do. If I go to bed at night and I say, well, did you take a bite? I took a bite of this. I took a bite of this. I took a bite of this. You did good. I love you. Go to sleep. Bang. And I go to sleep. So just keep going. The tree will blossom. The tree will bloom. The tree will have fruit. Just keep going. And now that I have this little bit of a, you know, my template and my maps and stuff set up, if I see I'm veering off course, I can make a small adjustment. Not like you saw where I'm jumping from. I, I, I equated this to jumping from from options to futures to to stocks to you know I, I'm like to to forex. This is what I did with my life, and I never sat down and figured out one. And don't waste your time. Anybody who's listening to this, don't it's don't waste your time. Pick something and just go and stay focused on it. It's okay. You can make adjustments but and pick it from your heart. Every other th- things that I did, other people picked for me. I never picked the cabinet business. It's just that I started talking to the guy and he put it in front of me. It's almost like he dared me. And I said, well, I can do that. Do what you want in your heart. Do what you love and that's what I'm doing now. And I cannot believe the difference my life has been. Um, and like I said, get in with the right people. If you really are a good person and you have a friend who makes fun of people or bullies people, dump them. Dump that person. They're no good for you. If you, you know, uh, uh, like to give things back and you like to, you know, do charity, you know, and, I, and when I say charity, anybody can sign up and uh, for to be a volunteer for the Red Cross. You actually have to go to some of the things and participate. It's more than just signing up. It's more than just buying the course. It's more than just you know, you have to do it. You know and. And it may seem like I've gotten nowhere, but like I said, I got I've done things that no one in the world when I was in Switzerland, I played a sport called Hornusen. The only way to play that sport is if you are born into a family that farms and has and is on a Hornusen team and you hope that maybe your uncle, your dad, your brothers, your cousins, whoever's already on the team leaves the team so that you might might get a spot on it. I've played that sport. I mean, I've done things that, you know, are just incredible. I've survived a skydiving accident. Um, just, just do live. And that's one thing, like I said, I've lived my life. Now I'm getting to a point where it's like, okay, maybe we should organize this a little bit and have a little bit more of a plan so that you don't have to – I don't want to go through these ups and downs anymore. That's all. It was fun. 
but I'm, I'm about 10 years away from being halfway through my life. So I got to start. I got to grow up. I got to, you know. Anyway, no, I was, I, that's kind of where I, I like. I like. Well, I like the way you put all that, and I because mean, I wasn't. I don't want to be a jerk to you, but I, you're very self-aware. But yeah, your whole story was pretty much. Oh, he's doing that again. Oh, that ended the same way. Oh, he's doing that. Oh, that ended the same way. Yeah, and it was really a, um, a case of okay, deja vu over another- and over again. So here's something else for the listeners out there. Do what I did. Just look look at your past. See if you're making that same mistake. I had no idea I was making that mistake. Now you figure that with the, all the common sense I have. So this is how this is how my life goes. I wanted to have me and my buddies wanted to have a party, uh, um, and obviously we're on the water. So I borrowed this big clam and rake from the 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 senior varsity football guy. And we're out in the water and we're clamming because we're going to sell some clams and make some money and buy some beers and have a party. Cop pulls me over out in the middle of the water, okay? I happen to be – it's a commercial rake. It's private property. It's polluted waters. What are you doing here? I have no permit to to be clamming here. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm just making some money for tonight. There go my friends running down the beach. I'm pushing the anchor in. For the, for the cop boat, I give him my actual name, my actual information right there out in the water. That's because I'm that honest. I go to court. My mom takes me to court, and uh, we go up before the judge, and the judge says, uh, son, where's your lawyer? I'm like, well, I don't have a lawyer. He's like, son, you've committed a crime. This is, this is not – this is uh, – um, it was a crime. It wasn't even a misdemeanor. It was a felony what they were charging me with. And I was like, so he's like, I'm going to give you time to go get a lawyer because I had no idea. And we left. When we finally called a lawyer, the lawyer says, yo, tell Philip to stay at home. I had four tickets. I didn't show up for the other three. So there was a warrant out for my arrest. (laughs) All because I wanted to have a party. So finally, the lawyer, all this other kind of stuff. You believe my lawyer was scuba diving partners with the judge? Explained the whole story to him, and we all walked out of there. Didn't cost me nothing. Didn't do nothing. So I have the, I have the worst things happen to me, and then the best things happen to me. I have the best things happen to me, and the so who would not want to have that in a life where they get all the different extremes? Like I said, I've skydived and I've crashed skydiving. I've lived to skydive again. I won't crash again. Something you only do once. Well, yeah, especially when you're going to live to what you say, 120. At least. At least. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, you, yeah, yeah, you can't yeah. go through too many. All right. Let me – kind of random but not random. How many people have you hired over the course of your life? Oh, I've had hundreds of employees. I've been the president of 10 corporations. It doesn't mean anything. What? Doesn't doesn't make – Well, let me ask you this though. Yeah. It, does, it does mean something in the sense of you have hired people, which a lot of people have not done. So I asked Paul the same type of thing. But I'll, I'll structure a little bit different for you. As somebody that has hired many, many people, I mean, what what is the ideal candidate? What are you looking for? Um, maybe on a resume, but more so just you know in that interview. I mean, what to you is a valuable employee? What to you uh, is somebody that you're willing to put your name behind wanna, in the sense you, of hiring? You, you want to know what's my key question in an interview? I do. Yeah, I'm sure listeners do too. <clears throat> And it's not what you're going to think. Have you ever climbed a tree? 
And what you know how many kids you know how many people have never climbed a tree? I, I, I it is the saddest <laughs> it is the saddest thing I've ever heard. What do you mean you've never climbed a tree? They have no idea that you could even climb a tree. That's my question that I ask on my interviews. So what's your logic behind that have question? A, what is that accomplishing for you? First of all, fear of heights, fear of the unknown. When you get to a top of a tree, you ever been to a top of a tree and that thing starts to sway back and forth? Everybody thinks going up is the tough part. Going up ain't the tough part. Coming back down is the tough part. There's so many things that you experience. Was there sap all over the tree? Did you get the sap all over the tree? Did you understand that, hey, sometimes you're going to have dirty things that happen to you along the way? This Everything in life can be told about climbing trees. Interesting. So, so you're looking for the person that has climbed a tree because that's that because they've experienced the basic things in life, those basic emotions that make a difference when it comes time to make a decision. You're up on a tree and you're up high and you step on a branch and it snaps. It doesn't mean you're going to fall. You have two hands holding another, maybe a, a foot on another branch. But what do you do? What's your reaction? Now the kid that says, "Yeah, I climbed the tree once and I fell out and broke my arm." Thank you very much. Have a nice day. <laughs> your logic being, he's not a very, he's not a, a, a wise, he's not a good enough thinker under a high pressure situation. Is that your logic there? Well, that and keep in mind too that most of the things that I hired for were not uh, for mental capacity, uh, were more for physical capacity. You know, can you handle being up on a ladder? Can you handle being, you know, uh, um, you know, in, in, in an uncomfortable position because there are times where being up in a tree is an uncomfortable position. So, uh, and, and a lot of people have trouble understanding my logic behind that question, but that's just a question that's always worked for me and it kind of been able to, I feel bad. Clay, have you ever climbed a tree? I know you have. I've climbed a tree, however, however, I don't know how this bodes, but I can't say I've ever made it to the very, very top of a tree. Well, nobody can make it to the very, very top unless you're a squirrel, but you can, you can go up there and uh, you, you kind of know when it's time. Uh, okay, I am crazy. I've climbed up uh, some of the, the thinner trees to see if I can then get to the top and bend it all the way down so I could land on the ground and then let the tree go. But I also found a sail for a sailboat that I jumped off my two-story house figuring I could hold my arms out far enough, wide enough that I could coast over the bushes and drop into the pool. So you that, you like to that experiment. Did, that didn't work. What, it didn't work, FYI. So you you want to- ex- No, I went straight down. <laughs> and so you don't recommend that one then? Well, I do if you put a stick between to hold it open a little bit more. There you go. Then at least you got a better shot. My arms collapsed and went straight up, so the thing collapsed. It didn't capture any air, and I dropped. I mean, and now you know. But I, and now you can make improvements. Now, now, now you can make improvements, like you said. It just takes a little bit and I, tweaking. And I did. I did, but my mom came home, and my sister wouldn't let me go again. Well. Otherwise, otherwise I would have. Um, yeah, I listen. I snowboard. I skydive. I I mean, I I want to try everything. Almost everything. There's a couple things I don't want to try, but you know, I want to experience as much as I can uh, in, in my life. And so I know we didn't get to you know a little bit more detail of some of the things, but uh, um, I did have some properties. Um, I did. Yeah, I was, was going to ask lending. you where did the where did the because I know you're into private lending and all that sort of stuff. Where did the the real estate finally creep into play for for all this? So as I'm now working for these and and taking care of all these different buildings and stuff, I now because I'm up and down the East Coast, I'm all over the place. I see how much they're paying for hotels. 
And basically, I, you know, they would give me a credit card and I would just pay for the hotels. And then I'd have to just, you know, send in, you know, uh, the, the bills, you know, and, and approve that, yes, I actually did spend this. So I said, listen, why not, if I have a bigger project, why not buy a house here, stay in it, take the money that they would give me to stay in a hotel and, you know, use that, you know, for it. And then when I leave that place, rent it out and, you know, move on. And, uh, Again, and I took some courses on this, and I, to me, real estate has a couple of key things to it. Number one is, you, I, I had an opportunity when the when the real estate market crashed, and you had all of these, you had uh, towns uh, um, of 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 foreclosed houses that these groups would come in and have all the financing, everything set up, and they just needed people to assign their names to it, and you could like flip these houses and do this. You know, there was a time when you could do these things mass that way. That time does not exist right now. Right now is a little bit more, I like what Nate's doing. Uh, you know, I think what he's doing is he's buying the house, living in it, fixing it all, doing that, making it worth more, selling it, taking it and moving it and doing it again and again and again. That's a great way. If you're local and you're right there next to the house and you have a house and you could do something nice and small, a little here, a little there. My problem was is that my properties were states apart. Uh, my properties ranged from needing just to cover the expenses $3,500 a month down to $700 a month. And when you only own four houses – and one per one is vacant. You have a twenty five percent vacancy rate. That's a lot. And if it's a more expensive house, so you really need to have a good template and a good plan, and you need to do a lot of research. So I the the, the house that I ended up one of the houses that I ended up keeping. I was going to make it's a double, and I was going to make it. I was going to make one into a high end condo type of thing. Uh, you know, that you see, you know, in some of these places. But what I did finally this time is I talked to real estate people and they said, listen, put in a dollar into it, put a million dollars into it. You'll never get more than what the market is. There's nothing here in this town. There's nothing that'll bring it up. I'm in a town now where it was an old coal mining town and they couldn't make money. And so now what I got is I got Amazon. And Amazon uh, during uh, the holiday season has about 10,000 employees. Those employees don't have high-end houses, and they're they're not building high-end businesses here. So instead of dumping all that money into the house that I was going to make into this super high-end condo, I would have never got back. Now I'm actually thinking about it because I, I really don't want to live next to somebody. Now I'm actually thinking about turning it into a commercial building where the other side where I rent it out to myself and I open up another business – Maybe it's 3D printing certain little pieces for a company around me. That's done. I have a big 45 by 40 garage. It's about 12 foot inside um, that I could manufacture or produce in there. And now I rent those things to myself. I can write off the things because they're businesses and I only have to count on myself. You know, So uh, this is the way I'm starting to rethink my real estate. And then, uh, of course, I, I don't know. You know I've been talking. Um, I want to buy a house out in Mesquite, Nevada. Uh, that's the place that I'm going to next. I'm going to keep this. I'll come here in the summers. Uh, but I want to be out in, uh, in Nevada for the, for, the, for the winters so that I can scoot right up to Utah and snowboard in real snow in, in the dryness.
So how many uh, how, how many houses do you yeah. have real estate wise in your portfolio? So right now I'm down to just the two. Okay, I sold okay. off uh, because because what happened was is that we had that little hiccup in the market. I lost out of the I had five at one point. Out of the five, I only had one tenant. And it was just totally wiping me out because I also had no job at the time too. I was, you know, I thought I had everything set. I thought I had all my properties rented. I thought everything was going good. And then the, you know, and, and that's what I'm saying. You can, you have to be prepared. That makes so much more sense now. Why you were saying be prepared for, for the hiccups. That, yep. For that hiccup, and I got stuck in another one. Then, and so what did I have to do? Now I was very fortunate that the big one that I had on Long Island, I had bought so many years ago that. No, I couldn't lose money on it, but I did lose money on it because I didn't keep that as my primary residence. I ended up changing a different one to my primary residence, and because of that, I ended up having to pay tax as a vacation home on the sale and not as a, as a primary residence, and that wiped out almost $17,000 of my profit on that particular deal. So... All because I didn't have a template, all because I didn't have a plan, all because I didn't have a group of people that I can call and say, hey, uh, Clay and guys, you know, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Anybody had – just like we do in, 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 in a circle and stuff that way, you know, where you could say, uh, why don't you read this first or why don't you look at this? You don't tell me what to do, but you – Right. You give, you give yourself suggest, a thought process or a, a, a thought path and right. where you walk on that path, well, that's going to be unique to your situation. Right. Yeah. But this group allows you to have a place that you can go to and trust you know, and, and do. I didn't have that in the past. And man, I wish I did. I wish I could have said, hey, listen, uh, I'm having this trouble. Has anybody been through this? Clay, have you been through this in your, in your properties and stuff like that? Where I had people that I – like-minded people that I knew and that I trusted that weren't looking to make a buck off me because you – what, what, what could you possibly have to do with a house on Long Island? There's no way. But when I ask a local guy, he's looking to see how he could steal that house from me or he can, you know. Right, or uh, be a realtor to sell it to get the commission or yeah, something like that. Yeah, exactly. So, so this is what's nice about having these groups and having the right people to talk to. Yeah. Uh, then I did the same thing with the private lending because I got tired of dealing with the people and I was going to fix the house, sell it, fix it. I was going to flip them, but we started coming out of that. The problem that – not the problem. The, the, the difficulties with private lending are twofold as far as I'm concerned. One is that there needs to be a situation that it really is required. So I was, again – in a time where guys wanted to flip houses, but by the time – and the, the people wanted to get rid of the house for cash. But by the time you got a mortgage from a bank and you went through all the process, it, it just – it's too late. It was gone. So if you had the ability to lend out the cash to the right people who could flip the deal over quickly, you know that was there. But that, that mode of panic is farther and fewer between right now. And again, I kind of got into that at the end of that. Had I got into that two years earlier, I would have made. The other thing was that is you really need – you really should have a lot of money to back it up. So I ended up doing a total of three deals. Only one of them was with my money and it was actually mine and my fiance's at the time. That's the deal that went bad. Oh, yes. We never got married. Uh, but that had nothing to do with it. 
The other two deals, and each one of those deals was one was sixty-five and the other was seventy-five thousand. That was like the area. I like to stay in that anywhere between sixty and eighty grand. That's how much I like to flip. That was my that was my game plan. That was my you know my plan. Um, the other guy's money successfully had two. When mine crashed and mine ran into a problem, and now I needed all my money just to get myself out of this problem, I got really nervous about doing it with somebody else's money again. That lack of confidence led to not taking on more deals, uh, even though I knew one in 10 deals was going to go wrong. I was just hoping it was deal number nine or 10. It turned out to be deal number three. And I just I wasn't prepared and I wasn't set up to get past it. I also saw that for me and what I was doing and the area that I was working, that window was closing. So um, I ended up I had a I lost money. I had to pay her back in full because we remember the way the deal went differently because we didn't write it down. Um, and it is what it is. So that you know again was was why. And again, it, to me, it was something that required people. And I wasn't interested in doing that. And then I finally said that, you know, I finally realized that I could, I could eventually make a, a, a earn a, a living, uh, um, uh, to some, some day-to-day stuff trading, but I also need to work on my other, my other sources of income because one of the things that I have learned and I have realized is that when I had the cabinet business, man, when it was slow, it was nice to have that gas business to pay yep. when I couldn't make payroll yep. at the cabinet business, I could steal some from the gas business and make the payroll over here and then pay it back as I went along because I had different pools and different things to choose from. And that doesn't need – I've heard you talk to some people where it's uh, uh, 500 a month. Uh, uh, BMX Ashton, he, he, he went into the reserves and it's 500 bucks a month. That 500 bucks a month is key. It's a little thing that you know he puts very little effort into now, and it's there, and it comes in. Any of those things are absolutely critical and absolutely important. I also tried doing uh, – um, I don't know. It wasn't um, – uh, what's the big one that everybody uh, – um, it was the – it's not a pyramid. It's It was mail order type of like stuff. Like multi-level a, marketing uh, type stuff? Multi-level marketing, yes. I got involved with Life Vantage. I only did that because – my dad got sick, and I found this uh, um, supplement that might help him. The only way you could buy it was through a distributor. So rather than just buying it through a distributor, I said, if I'm going to give it to my dad, I want to take it too then. And I became a distributor, and a couple, but I never pushed it. It wasn't something that I want to do. I'm not the guy who can sit there, and I don't have friends. So these are the types of things that if you have a lot of friends and you have a lot of connections on Facebook, get into that. Because you can make some money on it as long as you do something that's that's good. Because if you have to face these people, you don't want to be like, oh, yeah, you bought that crap from me. Um, I have absolutely zero social media. I have – you know, I am – my phone is eight years old. I can't even – there's so many times in uh, in Inner Circle that I want to, you know, post something. Well, I won't even download the app. I don't have – it's a separate – computer that I don't have a keyboard for it so that I can cut and paste onto it. I just, it's just who I am. I'm happy with the tools I got was going. I do, however, go onto iTunes and leave five stars every time I can. Good. I hope, hopefully you've, so, uh, you've done that's that. That's the for, only way I can help. That's uh, the only way well, I can you're help. Well, you're helping right now. Before I forget though, you made a comment about if I was better prepared, if I was better prepared. So let's just kind of run, run with the real estate 
in hindsight now, what could you have done? What do you wish you would have done to have been better prepared? Um, everything was totally financed. I should have got one, worked it for a while, and got it paid. There's a got thing one called, meaning, meaning a property. Yes. Okay. There's a thing called velocity of money. And it was what I learned in real estate. So if I can buy a house, and I'm going to use stupid numbers, if I can buy a house for $1,000 and then rent it out for $200 a month, I rent it out for $1,000, I buy it for $1,000. And after five months, I've paid it back. I Now, I buy another house for $1,000. But I have two houses. So it doesn't take me five months to pay it back. It only takes me two and a half months to pay it back. And then I can buy a third house. And you see how it can just accelerate that way. Again, that takes time. Don't go out and try to buy 50 houses all at once. I tried buying a house. I was buying, you know, at that time because it was a shorter period of time. I think within within four years, I had five houses and they all had mortgages and they all had, you know, some of them still needed to be fixed. Some of them weren't rentable. Take your time. Have a plan. Nice and slow. One bite at a time. I was chunk, taking off chunks of the elephant and trying to shove it down my – it's not a hot dog eating race, you know? Um, and that was one of the things with the, with the, with the real estate. The other thing too, is they should be closer together. You know, I, I was all over the place and then you, then I ran into these rules where, oh, you don't live here. Well, you can't even manage it on your own. You got to have to have a property manager who lives in the area to do it. So there's just so many different things. Then the banks are different and then the banks look at different things and, and they look at the mortgage over here and why is, you know, uh, so Slow and steady. I like what you said though, because essentially you're saying basically avoid debt in absorbent ways. I mean, if you get yeah, one, don't over get, get, leverage. Yeah, right. exactly. Get that mortgage taken care of, own it, 100% equity, then move on to the next one. But um, yeah, not you just, if you get one right. I would get one tenant in. They'd put in two months. I think everything is going great. Okay, great. I can get another one. Meanwhile, that tenant knew they only had four months worth of rent, and then it was going to get tough for them. You know, which I didn't do enough in checking, back checking them. I didn't do enough in, you know, then I finally started getting involved and I would let a real estate do it. But now the real estate does it at their time. And, you know, uh, so it just, you You know, you got to just take your time. There's, you can't rush. And if you find yourself, would you agree that if you find yourself rushing and the ability that's allowing yourself to rush is via debt, that you probably should really tap the, the brakes? Would you agree with that? 100%. 100%. And and just also, Nate inspired me. So I had this double and I had only one side good. The other side was, was, was no good. And when I saw that he bought this house and that he was going to fix it up, I actually then, I trade until 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 12, 34, 56. At that point, I'm done. My computers get shut off. That was the way I set up my plan. I have a specific plan. I have a specific pattern. Everything now has a reason in my life. And at that time, I end. I then eat some lunch. I quick play the piano a little bit to get my mind off of stuff. And then I'm next door working until I'm usually late for dinner. That's where so, you go. Yeah. I, I've noticed that you're very in the – and uh, for listeners – this is part of the the, um, the stock or market school. business. There's a chat room. There's a you know we have a live chat room and Phil's in there. But then uh, you know yeah right after lunchish time you're you're uh, hey I'll see everybody tomorrow. So you're off building some sweat equity then. 
if it's not sweat equity, like I may have, uh, I've decided that my chart, you know, I, I think I need to rearrange my charts and stuff like this. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm getting better at everything I do and I'm realizing that I need to make small adjustments on the things that I have planned. And so to get better, you know, it's all about a process. So I, I have this process and it works. So if I'm not next door working, because it gets hot over there sometimes. Uh, so then I come over here and I'll have, I'll do schoolwork. I'll do, you know, uh, um, I'll go, I'll run through a couple of more case studies I'll run through. It depends on what's going on. Um, but I'm, it's, it's always got something. But if I try to do just trading and looking at charts, um, I'm, I'm actually done trading a lot sooner. I, I like to trade from 8.30 to about 11, 11.30-ish. Um, and that's why I, – because I, it's a separate keyboard that the chat room and everything is on. And so that keyboard is not even on my desk. And that's why I only start actually talking to people once I'm done trading and I can bring the keyboard over. Other than that, it's just my whatever I can get with my mouse, my little hockey stick, you know? Yep. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's, it's all about, you know, now here's my goal. Here's my elephant. Let me take a bite. And if I'm not taking a bite out of the elephant, that means I'm taking a bite out of something else that has nothing to do. I'm taking a bite out of somebody else's elephant or something that has nothing to do with it. If I want to get rid of mine, I got to keep biting on my I elephant. Love it. So I'm constantly coming back and making sure. And that's why I say before I go to sleep at night, besides being thankful and grateful for the day and, 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 and everything that I have in my life, I say, what kind of bites did you take out of? out of the house what kind of bites did you take out of you know my personal growth what kind of bites did i take out of my my trading uh, adventure what kind of and it's not an adventure it's it's my job the trading but i need to get better at it i'm getting to the point where it's almost emotionless um so those are the things and if i took a bite out of all those things did i do any exercise today did i do good health things today yes 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 you are awesome man you had a great day not only that you can wake up tomorrow and do it again and even better and then I then I can you know go to sleep knowing that I, there are days where I say you know what you didn't do nothing today. Um, all right, know that you didn't do nothing. You recognize you didn't do nothing. You're gonna have to make up for tomorrow. And then I I work that much harder tomorrow or the next day. And uh, but it's always constantly about you know again based upon everything everybody just saw. Have a plan. Yeah. Have some kind of hat. Okay. What I did was. I had this map of my life in front of me and I never looked at it or I never decided where I wanted to go. And just like I said, uh, Saturday and Sunday, I put a pin in where I am and I looked at the path that I have traveled. And it's awesome to go back and reminisce and look. But I said from now, I said what I originally wanted, it's not even on this map. So that's why a few years ago when I started saying, okay, listen, and I – it took me two or three years even just to figure out what I wanted. I had whiteboards all over the place. I had notes all over the place to what a lifestyle that will lower my stress and raise my overall quality of life. What is that? What, what does that look like? And that's what I'm building. And that's what I'm building. And that's what I'm – the confidence I get is from these. And so I, I also want to let anybody who's out there know, don't be intimidated about coming on this. I, I did this and I hope somebody somewhere got one little bit of information and I was helpful. 
But I got so much from this. I grew so much from this. And I almost feel like I didn't even get the help. I was supposed to help, not be helped. No, you didn't. It turns I, out. Well, before it I turns forget, out they go hand in hand. They do. I, I but I, I'm, I'm curious. What? So, what's your plan? What's your outcome with this? Uh, the other side of the duplex that you're fixing up. You want to get that rented out? Well, right now, right now, I can't do anything with it. Right now, I have no options. Besides so, to fix it up. That's well. I can't even sell both houses because it was that bad. You know, there's no kitchen. Uh, there's no kitchen and there's no, so there's no kitchen, there's no stove and there's no working bathroom. Those are two things, you know, I found out what the minimum is for me to fix it. But as I started doing it, it doesn't take much. I have the history. I have, I have talent when it comes to this, this, these houses, this house was built in 1928 and it still had the original doors on all the bedrooms and everything. And they had been destroyed. They had dogs in the rooms and the scratches on the doors with a little bit of work, less than an hour per door. They look like they were just built in 1926. They are beautiful. I can't believe it. And it's all these big woodworking moldings and stuff around the doors. And uh, um, it's actually coming out beautiful. I can't believe how beautiful it's coming out. So if when I get that fixed up, I think I'm actually going to move to that place. If I'm going to rent out this side, then I'll rent out this side. I'll see how I feel at that time. I have I, I like to play the piano, but there's times where I'll play the piano at 12 o'clock at night. I, I, you can't live in a double and right. do that. Well, so, so what are you going to do with the house? If you do move to this uh, to the double, what are you going to do with your, your current place? Well, I, now I can, maybe what I do is I put the whole package together. I, maybe I just sell the whole thing, take the money, and this isn't the most ideal spot for me to spend my summers. The reason why I like it here is because I like to hike and I like to bike. And there's so a you're, lot of you're in Nevada right now as we speak. No, 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 no. I would only be in Nevada in Nevada. Oh, that's the winter. The that's snowboarding. Winter time. Yeah. Right, right, right. It's too hot out there right now. Um, I, I wouldn't want to be there. I would want to be in a cooler place right, where yeah, I that, could do back. summer so sports. Where, are you? Are you in? So where are you now? I forget. Long, no, uh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. No, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, east, east, you know, northeast of Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm about three and a half hours from New York. Uh, okay. You know, three and a half hours from Philly, you know, uh, all these different things. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I so it's still I, kind I, of a, a plan in progress, if you will, about what you want to do. But the the one step in the progress or the 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 plan that you know you want to do and you're focused on is getting that duplex fixed or getting the one side fixed up. You know, you have that's, to get that done. That's my that's my in the face stop loss. That's my in the okay. face. That is there's there's no denying that. No matter what I do, I can't do anything until that's done. Until that's so, okay. Makes so sense. keep working, keep working on it. And who knows? Like I said, I've been working on it, and then. I hear this thing from Paul and I'm like, I now want to turn it into a business. And I had gotten totally off of being in business again. But it's like, again, the people you hang out with, you know, my whole thing was like, no, 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 just make a couple bucks, live your life and, and, and move on. You know, I, I, there's one other vehicle that I have that, you know, we haven't talked about. And, um, that is my, my retirement. But, I still have a lot of things I want to do. I still have a lot of things I'm passionate about, and I think I can still make money at them. And yeah. I got this. Just put them on fire. paper, Phil. Just put it this. on paper. That's all I'm asking going forward. Oh, all well, the details on paper. Believe me, I did. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing else now that isn't done. But here's another thing. Do you realize that three years ago, when I did my plan, and we've talked about my plan and everything, 
it's been probably six, eight months since I've looked at the plan. Now, of course, I've taken it back out and I've put it right back out, but this made me realize that a plan, again, is only as good as that many times you take it out, as many times as you look at it, as many times you check, am I doing the right thing? Am I going the right way? You wouldn't get on the road to go from New York to California and just drive. And then, you know, two weeks in, say, well, let me take a look and see where I'm at if I'm any closer to California. No, you kind of constantly look and make sure that you're staying on the right road. Don't get off the wrong exit. Don't move anywhere. And you constantly got to stay on that. So uh, this, if anything, and, and, and I'm actually trying to pound this into my own head, is you have the plan. You have it and it works. Don't get sidetracked. Keep focus on it. Keep going back to it. Keep making it better. Keep taking the bites. That's my elephant. Stop taking bites out of other stuff. So – that's where that's I a am fine, right now. That's a fine line, though, because I think you're super smart. Like, that's awesome to hear your passion about, or do I want to get into some sort of 3D printing? Because I'm all about multiple streams of income. So, I, but I also agree with what you're saying. But it's that that fine line. When is it too much, or when am I being wise with diversification of income streams? Because, like I said, diversification, which I'm assuming you would agree with, that's how you prevent hiccups. When hiccups come, hey, good thing I diversified, you know, income streams. But yeah, uh, I, so I yep. get what you're saying, but I don't know. It's such a fine line. No, it is. Uh, but so when I talked about, when I thought about, because I and I've actually started jotting things down on paper. I want because I remember from my biostronic days is that we used to make machines that would you feed them with materials. You make sure they're all working right, and they can basically work on their own, where you don't actually need to sit there and babysit. Now it's it's uh, of course uh, uh, um, uh, complete euphoria if you think that it's. 100% that way. But I could do manufacturing. I could do something with a, with a machine or something that way where it didn't require a lot of physical time. Because remember, I don't want to change my time for money anymore. Right. Yes, yep. I'm, at that, I'm at that stage in my life where I want to change my money for time. So now I'm like, okay, well, maybe, you know, like, uh, uh, like Paul was talking about, maybe I go and buy a business. Maybe I go – I don't know. All I'm saying is that something by, by surrounding myself with a new group of people, a group of people that I chose, a group of people that I respect, a group of people that, that get me excited about what they're doing, all of a sudden I'm getting these new ideas. I'm getting these things. It's rubbing off on me, which is what I wanted. So Yeah, it's I, amazing I how you just surround yourself with the right people and all of a sudden – all these, these doors of opportunity yes. start to yeah, exactly. It's, it's amazing it, it, how they come out of nowhere when you actually change your really, mindset. Yeah, yes, it blows me away, and that's—I don't even know how to explain that to somebody. But I'm I think you, you just did. As you start to hang it, around a certain amount of people, and all of a sudden opportunities appear out of nowhere because, because like I said, it's all about well, where have you been focusing, and where are you now focusing? And when you start to focus via the right attitude. There's so many opportunities out there. It, 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 our lives, and we are so. I can't believe how lucky we are to be here in the United States to be able to have those opportunities, you know. And I've been, you know, as, I guess as you get older, you know, younger people might not think about this as much. But let me tell you something. Think about people in countries that they can't even go outside. They can't even go. They can't even buy a cup of coffee. No. They can't make a cup of coffee. They don't have clean water. We have so much. And and I feel like you know we take advantage of it, you know. And I've gotten to a there point a lot, now I think, where I don't think we take advantage. Of, I think a lot of people take it for granted. For and, granted, um, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and, uh, uh, but I, the people that do look to take advantage of it, 
those are the people I want to surround myself. Let me share this quote with you because I, I love this quote and it echoes exactly what you're saying, but it stuck with me. I had an economics professor and I don't know, maybe it sounds a little elitist to those, those people that aren't, but I mean, his, his one of his 10 economic principles was if you were born in the United States, you've already won the lottery. Like, and I was, and that's always stuck with me. I, I don't think there's anything truer than that because there's really no excuses if you're uh, born really in the United States or any really developed country. I mean, yeah, what is you your can excuse? Add, you, you could add one other adjective to that uh, 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 and really be set for life, but that's totally wrong. And I think it's got to, you know, and that's why I'm not even going to say it. So, but you're right. You, Being born in the United States. Wait, what part's it, wrong? Uh, if I add you another can, adjective. No, say it. Uh, Nate will just edit it out, and then you know adults can uh, – they'll be able to fill in the blank. Uh, unfortunately, it's going to sound cruel, being white. Oh, okay. <laughs> that is that is true. That is true. Yeah, but, it, but that's sad, and, and yeah, that's why I didn't, even want to, I didn't even want to bring it in because that's so wrong. And, and, and I think that everybody should know that. Don't let any of that – nothing should hold anybody back. If you're here yeah. in America, you can do – anything and it's not about dreaming and it becomes yours yeah dream it but then work towards it make a plan figure it out because that's all i kept doing is i kept dreaming about this thing and i would chase the i would chase the dragon i think south park had a game uh, uh where you just chase the dragon you know you never catch the dragon chase the dragon never catch the dragon that's what that's what i did don't do that i don't care how how young you are how old you are it's never too late to start and it's never too early to start. Um, and right down to, you know, if you brush your teeth and you leave the cold water running, don't do that no more because it's a waste of water. So, I mean, and, and that's what I'm saying. It's got to be a lifestyle. It's not just making money. It's not just – I found that that doesn't make it. You can sit there and make all the – I know some people who are extremely rich and extremely wealthy and the rest of their life sucks. It's not about money. It's the whole picture. It's the people. It's the way you care about the people. It's what you give back. It's what you do. And if you do it good and you do it with a passion and you work hard at it and you have the trust in yourself and you make a plan, you're going to make it. You're going to make it big. So I And you're big because your big is not my big. That's Sorry. true. We all have different definitions. No. that's. I think that's a great place to end. And uh, – my plan is to bring people back. Just uh, and I'm, I'm assuming you would love to come back. That's uh, that's not the kind of sentiment on my part. I'm assuming that you would love to come back. That sounded. That's not how I meant it. That sounds really bad. I'm assuming you would come back though. You'd be interested. Not only that, uh, a couple of suggestions. If you even wanted to do like short ones on a specific subject and see if you can even do like me and Paul and get his opinion versus my opinion right. You know, I don't know how you can get, but you know, no, there's I so was many I things. was thinking there. I was like, there's oh, this so is, many I could things see group, that you could do. Group, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see know, some group uh, conversations uh, and stuff like that. And then, and then, like I said, even like short, you know, because this is tough. Uh, you know, I, for somebody to sit there and go through and stuff like that. But you know, you say, okay, we're going to do these fifteen minute ones. We're going to just Hit one subject and just let's get some ideas about the one. You know, again, I don't know. I just you know think See, about all these other and things. I, I and I agree. I agree. But my the other thing that seems to be proving right is like for Paul's. That one was a two hour one, and like we said at the end, we're like, well, oh yeah, you know, these are great. Uh, these yeah. are going to be the people that get to hear are like legitimately serious. And who actually got there and who actually emailed them? You. And as you, we, I know about you, and as you, you're somebody that's super serious. So. There's definitely a give and take with everything, but um, yeah. I, I do agree. Maybe try to some shorter ones, 
bring on multiple people. I'm thinking, you know, you could have multiple people and then just throw a headline well, out there and that could Yeah, but here's, could, what I, you know, here's what I'm saying to you, Clay, is that you have this great thing going. There are no limits. Don't ever think – and I like how you try this and you try that and you ask us, hey, do you guys like this? Just keep trying stuff. That's all I'm saying because you'll know which ones hit and which ones are great. And and everybody, like I said, everybody who really want, you know, is worth it truly appreciates you know what you guys do what what you're doing for us and uh and how we're giving back so we experiment on us try different things because we're gaining so much uh from each other so no matter how you plan on or how you end up working it just do them just try them and like this just if do you, it i like you don't it. Just if you do don't it. like this then don't don't put the whole thing on i don't care i'm okay but you know no it's yeah. it's it's going on and it is what it is and if listeners don't like it then I don't know. They can uh, they can go live life without a plan, and they can do the same exact thing you did, and um, then you'll be able to say, "I kind of told you so." But uh, you know, so that's their call. We we've done our part, and yeah. Uh, so uh, it, it's and, out there. And again, thank you for for giving me this opportunity. Uh, I, I really appreciate it. Um, like I said, it, it it showed me so many things about myself that I didn't even realize. And I guess every single time. So anybody who's out there, anybody who's like contemplating, you know, should I? Shouldn't I? I don't have anything to offer. I felt that way too. I was nervous when I started, when I came on a little bit because I didn't know. And here I am. I made it through. I. I, I had two this hours later, goal. man. You made it through, and there's been all sorts of good stuff. This baby elephant has been fully eaten. There we go. There we. That's a great way to end it. The elephant this time around has been eaten. So Phil, uh, yeah, thanks for hanging out, and uh, we'll have thanks. you back for sure. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening. Before I go, I want to just make your attention to a few things. First off, if you enjoyed the show, then make sure to help us out in the iTunes, especially if you could leave us a rating. That goes a long way and just assists me in getting the word out there, and I genuinely would appreciate it. Second, if you find yourself either in debt or just feeling like your, your personal finances are kind of out of control or could be much more efficient, then I would encourage you to go to moneywithclay.com and check out the Slab Money Method. That is the course that I put together as a former process engineer that outlined every single step, step by step by step with documentation, with forms to fill out, that'll put you on the path, the exact path I used to pay off $163,000 of debt and get myself to the point where not only am I debt free, but I am now able to build wealth and build wealth in an efficient uh, manner. So if you're curious and interested in that, again, moneywithclay.com and that is the slab money method. And no, this is not all some massive sales pitch when I say that it works, it truly does. And I back that up with more than words. My action behind those words is that course comes with a one year money back guarantee. So if you try it out and you're not making any progress, you're not seeing any progress, then I will refund you the cost of the course, which is very minimal to begin with. And then finally, make sure to check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, just look up for Money With Clay and you will see us there. Again, thanks for hanging out. I'll see you back next episode.